Hey there, folks. Uh, what do you know? It's the Uticast episode 193. Uh, the cat is attacking the dinosaur puppet from the photos on the floor as I record this. He's going nuts. Get him, Charlie. Get that T-Rex head or Velociraptor head. Uh, as Kevin antagonizes the cat in the background, uh, we're joined this week, uh, returning Dave Delachase here to talk about his brand new book, uh, The Little Lamp, available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, ebook, hardcover, paperback, all over the place. We had a great conversation about that, about superheroes, about novels, about creativity. Uh, also this week, uh, a little change as we're streamlined, uh, Heather's under the weather, so we're going to talk about some stories that were interesting to us this week, uh, plus some history lessons, some wild news, and celebrity crushes. All that and more, folks. Episode 193 of the Unicast. We are happy, as always, to have you here. I didn't know that we had started, but I could tell by the way you were talking. <laughs> That's probably a bad Tell <laughs> by the way you were saying stuff, I was like, wait a minute, what's we're going back. on here? A uh, streamlined episode today, uh, straight to the point, me and Kev here, yeah. uh, Heather not feeling well, she texted me to say, I'm going to take a nap, uh, I'll text you in a little bit to let you know if I'm coming by. It is... Uh, hours later. Hours later, <laughs> I assume she's not feeling well, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is... Uh, I have a final this week for Ooh. my online... My online class that I'm taking, my online history class. I tried to write it down because I I can never remember the title. It's History 500Z, Order and Chaos in Modern Europe. Oh, boy. The online course. Well. Yeah. Yes, I have my final this week, so I'm a little um, loopy thinking about my next couple days, about how yeah. it's all going to play out. Yeah. The nice thing about when the finals is coming, right, it's always a huge push when it comes to finals, when it comes to finals, but much like anything else... Once it's done, it's done, which is great. And I like the fact this is not a final, as in I'm going to go sit down and take a test. Right. I have to write a paper, right? Yeah. Which is always better, at least for me. To, I would prefer. I'm Yeah, same. I'm in the same boat. Well, even I feel like if I write even a, a mediocre paper, I'm not going to fail. If I go into a multiple choice mm-hmm. test with like some things and I don't know it, mm-hmm. I just fail right through yeah. it. Just a hard No, I'm 30. with you. I'm with you. Because, you know, not to listen. We're not tooting any horns here. <laughs> but I can I can mail in a B paper in my sleep. Yeah, well. No, but, like, you sit here, you get a test. You never know what's going to be on the yeah, questions. Who knows what goes on? Uh, I was actually at a college this week. I had to take some of my students up to an SAT prep course up there. And then we also went on What a, college did you go to? Uh, Hamilton College. Ooh, Hamilton College. What a nice campus they got up Beautiful there. Beautiful campus. It's you ever go very... walk through the uh, the Root Glen, those walking trails they <laughs> yeah, got they back there? Yeah, they took us on a whole bunch of... That's really nice back in there. So I see a lot of different colleges on my my job. Right? That's part of my gig is to take mm-hmm. these kids to tour these colleges. And I didn't have a traditional college trajectory. I went to like a community college... And then I went to a college in New York City that was, like, weird in, like, three buildings mm-hmm. and didn't have... With a bit of time off in between, right, too? With time off in between. Yeah, yeah, so... And then now I'm at Utica College, which is not... And I also live in my apartment with you I, and me. You like... know what? I think about that. I think about it with Utica College all the time. Because I used to have kids on my staff at the brewery who were from uh, downstate, other places that go to Utica College. And just because, by its nature of being in my hometown where I live... 
I would always wonder and try to imagine how the the college experience of going to Utica College seems compared to other colleges for outsiders. <laughs> yeah. Right? I, I've been around in the dorms in UC. They're fine. Much like everything in Utica, it looks very 70s. Mm. There's a lot. <laughs> a lot they of got some s- new ones up there, too, I think. The newer right? ones are nice. Yeah. The athletic building is really nice, and all the new like stuff they've put in is really nice. But, the, you know, it's like anything else. Sure. You go to all these colleges... And there are parts of them that are like super brand new and they've just built. And there are parts that have definitely been there since the 70s, yeah. right? So yeah, it's yeah. just the way it is. I will say, I always imagine whether I could have gone to that college when I go there. I look around, I'm like, oh, I got a nice little art department here. Yeah, yeah. They got intramural soccer. I would have played intramural soccer if that was an option. In a heartbeat. I don't know how, I, I feel like I would have been a weird college guy. Like a college, like wearing the varsity sweater wrapped around my neck and such. Like a. But you got you got to assume if you, you'd went right there, you would have just accustomed to it. Like a duck to water, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that's true. It's not taking all your fun. like years of like anti-establishment. Like uh... I don't think it had anything to do with that. Mm. I just think that uh, the timing was never right for like me to go off and stay in a dorm with strangers for four no, years, right? No. Like it just it never felt like for me. That that was the right move. That always seemed really unappealing. Dorm life always seemed because I, didn't, I I've never lived in a dorm either, and um, dorm life always seemed really unappealing to me. I don't find like fraternal, like in sorority style life, to be very appealing. That sort either, of, yeah, yeah. So I think that's either. another part of it. Too. That might be better because like at least you're in a house. Yeah, nice. Yeah, a spot. as opposed to in like a a, a t- bad hotel, <laughs> a tiny dorm. I feel, I feel like yeah. a dorm room is like a bad hotel. I feel like there's at least a certain portion of my kids, and we take them on like college tours where they walk in and they look at like here's a dorm room, and they go, mm. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like there's at least, Oh no, yeah, oh no. Um, so yeah, so but that was I had a great time at Hamilton. Though I think it's a really it's a really big campus. Yeah, it's really surprisingly it's huge. Big. A lot of stuff. Uh, I had a question for you. I just thought about this earlier because someone sent me, a friend of mine, a mutual friend of mine, sent a, a link to like a men's clothing style service where like you subscribe and they send you like clothes in a box like mm. every month. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Sort of like, what your thought? you ever thought about any of these kind of like... My brother did that. He did it. He did. Yeah, yeah. yeah he yeah, did yeah. do that. And uh, then he stopped because he realized, he's like, they're just sending me stuff that... <laughs> That, that like well I like it and it's fine, you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna use it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I don't, okay. I wouldn't go buy five shirts a month if they weren't just mailing them to me. It's like these. It's like yes. the people that that subscribe to like these subscription boxes, right? Where it's like I've got this subscription box for you know outdoors gear. So yeah, all right. Yeah. But how much outdoors gear were you gonna buy in a month? You know what I mean? Like just because you're getting a bunch of it for cheap, mm. you're not saving money if you're going to spend that money in the first place. That's true. And that's where he found himself with the clothes. But he did very much enjoy because they like go through, they make a profile of you of your sizes, which are your likes and dislikes, and they've got like an online form that you go through basically. And he said they did a great job. They sent him yeah. some stuff that you know, stuff he liked that he wouldn't necessarily picked out for himself, but was surprised by, and other stuff they just hit where he's like, yeah, this is the exact shirt. I love this shirt or. You know, this pair of right. pants or whatever it might be. Uh, that's fair. I feel like uh, <coughs> the one that makes more sense to me is something like those Dollar Shave Clubs. If you're a person who, like, shaves a lot, that mm-hmm. makes more sense to me. Yeah. I do not think I would buy enough clothes to... I've heard rumor that some people shave their face every day. I mean... Could you believe it? That's, what a world, <laughs> what right? A world. What a world. Well, I'm, I'm sort of having a shave now with the mustache. I have to run yeah. the old you know, trimmer over Yeah, the running the old trimmer isn't the same as putting no, blade to not. skin, though. I'm wearing all my Liverpool gear while we're podcasting today. Did you see me? Do do I see you here in the room next to me? Yes, I do. Pod. I do yeah. see you. Is that Liverpool? This is Liverpool. I assume anytime I, I see red. a red soccer jersey, I yeah. assume it's Liverpool. 
Yeah, nope, it was the Merseyside mm-hmm. Derby today for you uninformed viewers out there. That was the match between Liverpool and Everton, which mm-hmm. is the the soccer match between me and Maiden Utica Justin Parkinson's favorite Premier League teams. Yeah. So that's yeah. always very highly contested mm-hmm. here in the residence. It was a, a rather droll nil-nil tie, so yeah. uh, I didn't get too much mm-hmm. out of it. I'm sad, though. Sad we're not in first place anymore. I think we're going to blow it. I'm having like a sad sports moment. Ooh, the Liverpool's? Yeah. We're gonna yeah. I was so excited, but it feels like, I feel like the time has come. Mm-hmm. I don't know. All right. I, uh, because it's been a wild week and I got finals and our interview with uh, with Dave Delachase, who's back after 45 weeks. Oh, we love Great talking. guest. I love talking to Great Dave. Great guest. Uh, and Dave, even before he walked in, he was like, uh, he was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I took it so long. Like, yo, yo, we, we could talk for hours and hours and hours. I'm like, yes, I know we could. You don't have to apologize for that. <laughs> Love talking to Dave. I think Dave appreciates that I am a guy in his age range who can have a serious conversation with him about, like, um, like Black Panther or the Fantastic Four. Like, we can have a real, like, in-depth conversation yeah, about... It like, is. There's <laughs> definitely... It's it's a, a vanishing number of people who will talk about Fantastic Four. Yeah. I'll yeah. say that for sure. Yeah, but like the a very about, small number of people that care at all about Reed Richards. Yes, that's true. Uh, ben, Benjamin Grimm. They ever... Blue-eyed... Blue-eyed ever... I blew it up already. The yep. Thing. That was my guy. So nobody knew who it was. Uh, anyway. That's fine. Uh, no, great time talking to him. He's here uh, talking about his new children's book that he, he put out. Have you seen this? He's been all over talking yeah, about I've, it. Uh, yeah, I've, I've seen him i've seen talk of it i love i love the fact that that guy he never stops creating yeah you know what i mean like he's like he's got a job he's got kids he's got family he's a busy man he's got every excuse to put his creative pursuits on the back burner like so many of us do but he just doesn't stop and i respect that a lot yeah we talked a lot about all the different projects that he's in so we had a really nice Mm -hmm. long interview today uh so because of that because heather's not here uh i changed up my format i have three articles that i had on tap okay different sources and i'm just gonna throw them at you and see what we think about some of these discussions this is from variety earlier this week Mm. it's talking about uh the industry debate that's going on with netflix and steven spielberg have you heard anything about this before i dig into it um i passed by a headline that basically Uh. said spielberg is trying to stop netflix from being considered for oscars yeah so uh spielberg is proposing you sounds like sour grapes i gotta tell you without hearing anything else sounds a bit like sour grapes uh to make it more difficult for netflix films to compete at the oscars uh sparking debate uh online among fans uh arguing in favor of netflix or pointing out the situation is more complicated uh, there's also, this was what they're getting around to, Netflix, or someone proposed an idea for a theatrical tier for Netflix. So if you pay like $2 more a month, you can go see some of their movies released in theaters, mm-hmm. right? I don't know how I feel about that either. Do you think that like a Netflix movie is the same as going to a movie theater? I guess is the real question, is what it really comes down to. I mean, certainly watching a movie in a movie theater is a different experience. It's different, um right? I mean, a movie is a movie is a movie. Also, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't. There's, I can't think of a Netflix movie that's ever come out that would have pushed me into the theaters. I'll it's say true. that. But maybe with uh, with the Irishman coming out, the with Irishman. Scorsese, with De Niro and Pesci and Pacino. It's interesting that they put maybe that, that I would go see. Interesting they put that advertisement on right in the middle of the the Oscars too. Like they drop that because well, right they know. Yeah. They know. It's yeah. it's the same reason. Yeah. I mean that's that's a prime um, time to debut, you know, you've got a highly motivated like people who really love movies or people who are sick I think watching the Oscars. I do tend to think that most movies, especially like movies that aren't major like giant box office hits, tend to get most of their life after their release. So like I do think that Netflix serves a great purpose too for movies to extend their life as well. Mm. Uh, but 
The Spielberg thing to me, though, it kind of it, re- feels... it, it reeks of like this is the same thing as the people who like when you're talking about like oh you know we've got to do something to make college more affordable not people not put people into debt to get a degree right mm-hmm. those people are like, well I had to go into debt for my degree like I had it tough so everybody should have it tough because I'm a selfish bad person <laughs> it seems like some of that where he's like because you know I'm sure there's a lot of movies Spielberg wanted to make that if he had you know the direct option like Netflix like you mm-hmm. do where you know, some of your production costs and finding a studio and finding distribution, if you remove some of those barriers to entry, it's definitely easier to create movies, but, you know, good. That should be good. You should be applauding that. You know what I mean? It kind of feels a little bit like a rehash of the Netflix argument. The the Napster-type argument, right? Where Mm. these big, established, already famous people are like, I can't believe that people were just trying to find a faster way into this, but all, like, the like the indie artists and the younger folks like, hey, you know, a lot of people aren't buying... Yeah. Like so, my movie, like I yeah. can't get my twenty you know thousand dollar indie movie mm-hmm. into the movie theaters because no one yeah. wants. And it when cause... you release when you release direct to Netflix, that completely removes the question of yeah. distribution. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean. Which is a huge part of any creative endeavor, be it um, you know whether you're going to produce a record and put it out, whether you're going to produce a film and put it out. Uh, the distribution deals. I mean, that's your bread and butter. That's where your stuff gets yeah. spread to all the different corners of the country and the world. Yeah, I think that's fair. So I think Spielberg should uh, make better movies. What's the last great movie Steven Spielberg ever made? Mm, that's a good question. You like off, to, the, off can... the top of your head, I'm get my guess. Munich. That's that's not a great Spielberg movie. That might be the last movie he made, but like nobody cared about that movie. You, I can pull up it's the filmography. It's, I mean... I'm gonna try to shotgun it and call it. Call it. Yeah. Try. What I'm, I'm I bet it's there, Saving so. Private Ryan. The last good. The last great Spielberg movie. Directing. Yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't talk about stuff where he slaps Purdue, his name yeah, okay, on it for okay, a paycheck. Okay. Yeah. So 2018, he directed Ready Player One. I don't know if anyone would call that a great He directed movie. that? Yeah. Jeez. We should watch it on HBO. I haven't watched it yet. Woof. I'm curious to see. I'm uh, busy. I'm about, washing, washing my hair. I don't have time. What about The Post, 2017? Yeah, no. No? No. Uh, the BFG was an animated movie. Bridge of Spies, cool, 2015. Cool, like, Lincoln, 2012. Maybe Lincoln. But even Lincoln, but like Lincoln, Lincoln isn't hitting like Jaws and Jurassic Park and stuff like that. You know what I mean? War Horse, 2011. No, what that's about a horse. (laughs) Movie about a horse. Adventures of Tintin, 2011. See what I mean? Crystal Skulls, 2008. Ouch. Mm, Munich, 2005. Uh huh. Getting close is the yeah, the Terminal 2004. Catch Me If You Can 2002 is a legitimately good movie. It's a great movie. A lot of these are good movies. They're fun movies, but like. They're definitely not Spielberg feels, at the peak of the field. It doesn't feel right to me. Hang on, I gotta go back. I guess I guess really when you think about it, all his really high end work was in the seventies, right? Jaws is seventy five. Probably eighties too, right? Like E. T. and yeah. stuff like that. Jaws is seventy five. Close Encounters is seventy seven. Raiders of the I've Lost never seen Art. Close Encounters. I didn't like it when I was no? a kid. It doesn't it's not E. T. certainly. It's a I would probably like That's it more. That's what I think I would like about it. I'd like it more now. E.T.'s a little too twee for me. I was a kid in E.T. You know, yeah, yeah. Indiana Jones movies, you get certain mileage if you're into that. I like Indiana Jones if, movies. If you're not into yeah. Indiana Jones movies, you got severe problems. Did you ever see Empire of the Sun, 1987? Uh, vaguely, maybe once when I was a child. I only know it because it's like a decent band. It's called Empire of the mm-hmm. Sun now. Yeah. Named after that. They got that one song. Uh, that might actually be the name of the song. Hook, Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, Did you know Lost that people World. hate Hook now? People talk about Hook as a giant swing and a miss for him. Um, I mean, okay, I'm not I trying respectfully to respectfully disagree. I'm not trying to be a Hook truther or anything. Mm-hmm. There's parts of that movie that I think are less enjoyable to me now. Like it doesn't, 
it's it, it's strange. It's a strange movie. Yeah, it's a weird, that's what's it's fun a about weird it. movie. I feel like Hoffman's if, doing good work in it. Dustin it Hoffman. So is Robin Williams, yes. and so is Rufio, and so <laughs> is Bob Hoskins, all the rest Steve. of them boys. Yeah, yeah. And so is uh, Julia Roberts as Tinkerbell. I forgot about Julia Roberts. Yeah, Tinkerbell. man. The whole world forgot about Julia Roberts. That was a good offshoot. Steven Spielberg. What happened? Spielberg. Book two. That's we're going to do, at, coming back after the interview, we're doing a Steven Spielberg deep dive. <laughs> Everything else is out the window. Uh, all right. So let's move on to the next article I saw this week. It was called, uh, this was, it was apocalyptic. So get ready for this one. It's from The Verge. Mm-hmm. The attention economy is dead, Kevin. Did you know that? The attention economy? The attention economy. I didn't know that. Doesn't that sound like a real thing. thing. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so this was basically, uh, the, the idea is about a report that came out from Mydia, which is a media and technology research firm, uh-huh. uh, that came out saying that engagement has declined throughout the digital uh, and uh, television sector, like in content in general, suggesting that the attention economy has peaked. Consumers simply do not have any more free time to allocate to new attention-seeking digital entertainment propositions. True. Yeah, which means that they have to start prioritizing between them. Uh so arguably, sooner than most, the game industry would have thought uh, competition between the uh, attention economy is now more than intense than ever before. People are basically having to cut up stuff. There's too much stuff. Do you agree? Are we too? Is there too much stuff for us to watch now? Way too much stuff. Way too much. Way stuff. too much stuff. And you see it affect everything. I mean, I talk about it. You know, I as somebody who's been in um, the the bar business, the the restaurant business, the going out business, whatever you want to call it, you know, on and off for a long time, and even you know the job at, at Saranac is still you know, adjacent to that sector, um, people are even going out less. Hmm. You're seeing people going out on Friday and Saturday night less because they're like, well, I can just, I've got all this entertainment options at home. And it's, you know, and people have learned to rely on it as a crutch where it's like, you notice like even here, every once in a while, if our internet goes out at the house, Hmm. internet goes down for 10 minutes and everybody's, you know, running around with their hair on fire. Like, what do, how, what are we possibly going to do? You know what I mean? And it's, um, (sighs) it's a huge demand. It takes a lot from people. I think about it sometimes just in terms of if you're a sports fan, right? Sure. Guys like us, I watch Premier League soccer, mm-hmm. I watch basketball, I'm trying to watch more basketball, I was saying too, which is hilarious, because it's like, oh, where will I find more time to watch more basketball, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and wrestling, right? Wrestling's a good example. Seven hours of content WWE puts out a week, right? If you're a good wrestling fan, you're watching three hours of wrestling on a Monday night, two more hours on Tuesday, at least another hour on Wednesday, that's on the low end. You mm-hmm. could even watch more. You could add another two or three on other... Another- Original programming every week, yeah. It never ends, too. It's never stops like, wow. every week. It's and, and I do think it just becomes not diminishing returns, but it's just. But like, I think it does, yeah, to some degree. But the question, but the other side of it is, you'll never go back, right? Like WWE makes more money to add another hour to the end of Monday Night Raw to go from two hours to three hours. Although fans like you and I would like it to go back to two hours, maybe make it a more concise show. Well, it's the same reason. It's the same reason why when you see people say like, "Hey, we should cut uh, twenty games off the NBA season," <laughs> so dude, stop falling apart. Have opening day, yeah. be Christmas day, Christmas day. Have that be the first day and go from there. But they're never going to go back because no. they're never going to give up those extra twenty five games yeah. of ad revenue. Although it would probably be a good idea for everything to yeah. sort of cut back, make things a little more scarce. Probably the ratings go up because people are more invested in less of it. That's the well, one then you get, thing. You get less trash time too. It's the one thing I think that the NFL actually does really well. Like only sixteen games, they're like staggered to a point where everything is important. All the games mean something. There's no like right. give me games. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not. I don't love to stand for the NFL. Certainly, yes, you do. Not, not You're really. obsessed. <laughs> Can't get enough. But I do think that the the minimal amount of games benefits. Uh, your what each game means, right? It's the same reason I think soccer goals are interesting. Like a two-goal game, it's like, oh, it's two, 
every because there's so few, they mean a lot. Uh, all right, I'll move on to the last one, although I don't think we need to get too much into politics here, but uh, I did read an article in The Atlantic today about Andrew Cuomo's, uh, Andrew Cuomo's case for 2020 as president. Uh, he says he may run. There's a one-word article that said, nah. Nah. <laughs> uh, he says he may run, but only if Joe Biden is not running. What are your thoughts? <laughs> what are your thoughts? What are you, <laughs> shut the fuck? Listen, nah, never. Never, man. Absolutely. What? Under what basis? Oh man! Under what ba- like, dude, as a as a pretty as a pretty uh, progressive guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. As it's become a dirty word, like as a pretty liberal dude, you know, yeah. as somebody who definitely uh, sides with the Democrats considerably more than Republicans. Um, even I don't like the guy. No, nobody likes him. Even I, and I can't even tell you, like, I can't even give you redeeming qualities about the guy. People, even with politicians, I don't love. I can be like, well, you know, they do have this and they do have this and there is this. Mm. With him, I'm like, no, nobody likes this guy. Nobody. Nobody. No Republicans, state. Democrats, nobody inside the no state. One, no people one. People outside the state might like him more than New Yorkers. I, I don't know. I think that the impression that people have is that no one in New York likes it. And his whole thing with like, oh, as long as Joe Biden doesn't get in the way. Like, listen, all of you like corporate uh, Democrats in name only, nah. Like, <laughs> I could, you could make a certain argument. There's a certain argument that I enjoy for a Biden where after we get done with what we're going through right now, um, there's going to be a lot of... It's almost like a like a, a hurricane or a natural disaster. There's going to be a lot of cleanup and a lot yeah. of rebuilding and getting things back to normal. Somebody like Biden would be good for that. But I think um, it's more important to seize on this wave of you know engagement to see if maybe we can go further than just. I think Bernie's settling. got a real shot. Bernie announced. Bernie, this. I think Bernie's got the biggest shot at anybody. The people he energizes people like there, there's no other candidate who energizes people the way he does. Bernie Kamala Harris is his vice president. Maybe. Um, I don't know. I would rather see her for attorney general than I would. I don't know if um, Vermont Democratic Socialist and California (laughs) prosecutor uh, wins over enough people in, in different parts of the country. Um, I listen to actually. Listen, Maybe I listen to. I hope he doesn't run. I think no? it's. I, it's. I think it's a Damn. bad idea. Um, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. No. Huh. Um, I mean, if he's. I listen. Whoever gets the nomination has my. You know, has my vote. Sure. Certainly. Yeah. But I listened to an interview this week with. Uh, do you know about Andrew Yang? Andrew Yang. It sounds familiar. So Andrew Yang is a dude. Um, he did a great, great interview on uh, the the McCall show, the uh, the Joe Rogan show. Yeah, and okay. he was—he had a great interview. And his whole thing, he was like, uh, he's an entrepreneur and venture, uh, venture capitalist, and his whole base is coming from Silicon Valley. He's running on um, universal basic income, and he's actually putting some of his own money into it to test with some families, and just talking about how we've got to get out ahead of like automation and talking about you know the real economic issues. And I listened to him, and I've never heard anybody make so much sense. Mm. And and you know me, I'm I'm a pretty voracious consumer of politics. Yeah. Um, he was, yeah, he was unbelievable. I highly recommend listening to his interview and there's minimal, um, Rogan bullshit in it too. You know what I mean? So it's not like, Hey man, what about like if aliens smoke weed? And it's like not as much of that. There was a different Joe Rogan podcast this week, but there was a lot of that. Yeah, I believe that. I don't don't really follow. I, I don't follow his show for his show, but I like him as an interviewer for guests that I'm interested in. He did that thing that I hate people do. He got in an argument with somebody uh-huh. and then brought them on the show and then they didn't argue anymore. They just like made up. Oh, yeah. Do you okay. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's just like, mm, okay. okay. But yeah, you should check out uh, check out the Andrew Yang. It's, oh, it's about, yeah, yeah you up. should look it up. And it's on clips and YouTube and stuff. Um, but I, I was very, very impressed. And I don't know if he's got a real shot, 
But man, he would be. He's 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 somebody who genuinely sees the future and understands it outside of just like a sound bites and you know poll tested. Yeah. Like, approve focus group answers. Do you... I'll give you three options. Do you okay. want to talk about Cohen testimony at all? Do you not want to talk about it? Or do you want to talk about it next segment? Maybe three... <laughs> we, we can do any of those three options. I don't, Let's not do it right now. We we'll can decide at the break if we're right going to hit it and figure right. out what the angle is. Maybe we'll do it later. All right. So let's move on to this week's interview. Um, again, I, I love talking to Dave. Uh, he was last on in April 22nd, 2018, when we were talking about Avengers Infinity War. And one of the, which is why one of the first things we discussed when we got on the show was that it's very strange to two longtime comic book nerds that weird fringe purple characters like Thanos have become online cultural memes for the masses mm-hmm. and everyone knows who they are now. To the point where like more people more people now know who Thanos is <laughs> than probably know who like uh like Elmer Fudd. Yeah. Yeah. Who's Elmer Fudd? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like no. the kids don't like it's Thanos it's, is I mean Yeah. It's wild. Uh, listen closely somewhere in the interview. You can hear me snap. So listen for me snapping during the interview to turn Dave into dust. Uh, spoiler alert for a movie that everyone saw. Uh, so, yeah, let's go to this week's very long but really fun interview uh, with Dave Della Chase. Uh, and check out his new book, uh, Little Lamp, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, in hardcover, paperback, and ebook formats. All over the formats. Uh, back to the interview in just a second. Dave, it's good to see you. I hope you're enjoying the coffee from my sweet Central Perk Friends mug. I, I love it. It's <laughs> all is sweeter. <laughs> I have a, I work with enough kids in high school where they all watch Netflix and stuff now. So is like Friends really new to them? You know, because they're seeing it on Netflix. Versus... Friends, The Office, Parks and Rec, and The Good Place. I would say the four shows. That I get... haven't seen The Good Place, but I've heard nothing it's but good. good things about yeah, it. It's good. If you like, if you're... it's a good place. Yeah, it's a... it's a really. It's not the show I thought it was going to be. Okay. I think in a good way. Right, okay. in a way that made it more interesting to me. Oh, good. I was like, okay, so I, I kind of see what... They do a really good job. You know how sometimes... Um, I think this happens in a lot of sitcoms or sh- or older format shows where you got to get like 22, mm-hmm. 23 episodes out. You end up at a couple episodes that are like holding patterns. You're like, nothing super important. To it's just old. filler. Yeah, there's a filler episode. Yeah, yeah. I think The Good Place does a really good job of making like really forward arcing leaps in storyline and just... And just Rolling with it, like they just keep throwing more stuff at you. And you're like, wow, they're really just going with it. And I'll, I, I'll have to check I, it out. It's on my list. It's on my Netflix yeah, yeah. queue. But like, like I'm mm. totally, being completely honest with with three children in the house. That if it's not on PBS Kids or mm. Disney Now or or Nick yeah. Junior, like I I have no idea Do, that it exists. Does Netflix have like good kids options? I feel like they don't. Really. It, it depends. For a while, my kids were into this thing called the Beat Bugs, which, the beat which bugs. they kind of ebb and flow with it. Sometimes they're they're not interested anymore, and then they are. And it's it's 
it's based around Beatles songs, but with bugs. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're like actual bugs, but they <laughs> sing Beatles songs, sometimes cleaned up versions of Beatles songs. So, so it's it's cool because, I mean, in our house, well, my wife and I listen to a lot of 60s music anyway. Sure. Like, so 60s, sure, 80s. Sure. So they kind of are growing up with a lot of, with an awareness of who the Beatles and Simon and Garfunkel and the Monkees and all those guys yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they were aware of the songs, but like they're... It was cool because it was this nice blend where it's like it's a cartoon and it's safe for them. Right. And, you know, um, it's not like I'm like popping them down and having them watch like Help or Hard Day's Night, you know, already. But um, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I mean, Hard Day's, Hard Day's Night like, would be a good one. Yeah, that one's <laughs> kind of goofy and wacky, so that one would not good. Yellow Submarine. Not, not, not. Um, that will. <laughs> we watch episodes of the Monkees, but I would not watch them. Have them watch Head, the the movie that the Monkees. No. Made. That, that that one I would. Well, I was gonna save it till the end, but it's, since we're already sort of talking about it, one of the things I was gonna ask you about uh, would you like Parent Corner for people who have like. Uh, kids and stuff. Uh, I did see a great picture you put up of your son with his makeshift Bane mask, which was excellent. <laughs> really his underwear on his head. <laughs> excellent work. Uh, I do think it's funny for me though. I don't have kids. I have two nephews though, two boy nephews. Okay. And just now, as they enter into nine and ten, this sort of age, this is the first time that they are into stuff that I kind of also like. Right? For years, I was waiting for it. I was like, "Are you guys into like sports, or <laughs> wrestling, or comic books, or video games?" And they're like, "Nope, just like Snapchat and my phone and YouTube." Oh, I'm like, gosh. "Gosh, damn!" Uh, but last year, my one nephew suddenly was into Pink Floyd, and I was like, "Oh!" oh wow. I was like, "All right, where? I don't know where you found it, but mm-hmm. but let's go." So now, and then my other nephew's into video games. Now. Okay, okay. Is that a, that must be a lot of fun as a parent when you get into something where your kids suddenly are into yeah. something that means something to you? Yeah, and you know, it's it's interesting because you. I, I, like, made a promise when we started having kids to, to, to Meg, my wife, that, like, I was not going to push anything. Sure. You can't. So, like, if, you know, if they, they develop things naturally. So, and that's, I'll I'll use, you know, and a lot of things came about just because of their, I think, proximity. Like, like my sure. wife grew up a really big Monkees fan. Now, I, I wasn't, I'm, I was a fan of the Monkees, but not like my wife. My wife right. was, like, a fanatic. So, we, so she had the DVDs, and, and she'd be mm-hmm. watching it, and our, our son had kind of come in the room uh, a few years ago when she was watching them and it was just like oh what is this this is funny and then <laughs> the music came on and that's kind of just happened organically or through osmosis I guess I would say mm-hmm. and the same thing with like it's really cool because again growing up in my house it's hard not to be around like you know comics or, or Adam West Batman reruns or things oh, so they're man. just things that, that are Adam part of, of who, who I am um, and so it is really cool um, because it's something you enjoy together. Like, there's things that my kids enjoy, and I may think, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I and I su- support it. But it, there is such an incredible feeling when it's like, you know, my three-year-old daughter, for example. Well, you know, her big thing now, even more so than my son, is like, can we watch Batman? And it's like, <laughs> and it's the Adam West Batman, because she wants to watch the third season, which has uh, Batgirl in it. And she's, oh, yeah. she's a, and to see, like, it's really cool to just see... Like the excitement on her face, and and I guess you you could describe it as like, like the sense of like empowerment when like Batgirl yeah. comes out and starts picking bad guys. <laughs> yeah. She's just really jazzed about it. She you can see this like uh, you know on her face. Same thing with my son. Well, get, any of these things, it's really cool to have a similar interest. Now you're seeing. I think there's been a lot of talk in the news. Again, I'll jump to something that yeah, we were going to talk about because it sort of ties in now. Uh, the Captain Marvel movie comes out mm, this week. Last mm-hmm. time uh, you were here was. Infinity 40, War, I think, wasn't it? Well, it's 45 it? weeks ago. It was April 22nd oh of 2018. Gosh. Wow. Uh, and we did talk a bit about Infinity Wars, and I think the weirdest thing for me now, as a guy who grew up on comic books and superheroes, 
is that people know who Thanos is. That's still so weird to me. These, these <laughs> formerly like like characters that like only like we comic like nerds, <laughs> nerds knew are just part of mainstream pop culture, and it's and it's astonishing. I mean, and not even uh, I mean Thanos, but we talked about like I think last time we talked about Black Panther. Black Panther. Like like we yeah. knew who Black Panther was as comic readers growing up, but now like the general public, you know, knows. Yeah, who Black Panther, Panther too. And I I watched the whole Oscars, and I really I made a pitch on this show two weeks ago that you, they should just. Give the Oscar to Black Panther. Yeah. It should have been the move. People would have been very psyched. I don't think anyone would have complained. I want to. See, I haven't seen Spider Verse, and I really want to see I, it. You know? I was shocked by how much people seem to love that movie because I, I remember watching trailers. I'm like, I have no idea who this movie is for. And yeah. Apparently, it's for everyone. everybody. Apparently, <laughs> I want to see it. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I'm very excited to to, to eventually see it. Well. There's so there's two sort of, there's a lot of superhero stuff coming out. Captain Marvel's this week. I know there's a lot of like this big discussion on the internet about troll bombing, and I, it makes me <laughs> angry. But I will say, like, even as a guy who follow, I didn't know much about the Captain Marvel character. I still don't, to be perfectly no. It's honest. a very convoluted. I'm like kind learning of, as I see these trailers. Like, oh, Wikipedia, tell me more. I'm surprised that Marvel hasn't made a female-led movie at this point in time, though, that it took them this long. It took, like, Wonder Woman to come out and already have a sequel yeah. in production. You would have thought that, like, early on, like, I mean, God, you know, Scarlett Johansson's been playing Black Widow Well, now they're how long doing it would... now, apparently. Yeah. I, I have to say, and this is not a knock on her, I think she's great, I don't find the Black Widow character... It's like a spy character. It's yeah. hard. I don't know, like, at least the Captain Marvel character is like a big... Full-fledged superhero. Yeah, character. like, yeah. Black yeah. Widow, it's like, didn't we make this movie? It was called Red Sparrow, and it had Jennifer Lawrence I've heard it. a lot of, again, not having seen Red Sparrow, but, like, no. I saw a lot of people saying, you know, I love Red Sparrow. It was the Black Widow movie mm. I wanted. You know, oh. type of thing. And, and I, I get it. Um... And I will say to the other, and I'll do one last comic thing before we get into no, uh, some. I know we'll I talk about it. I have lots of comic <laughs> stuff. Uh, earlier this year, it was announced that uh, Fox had sort of got, given up the rights to the X Men and Fantastic Four back to Marvel for future use. It seems yeah. like I growing up, and I, I brought a bunch of comics out here for you today. Just a bunch of crap I had floating around, but this Fantastic Four comic particularly, I love the Fantastic Four growing up. Do you feel like they're probably the characters who've gotten the worst representation film-wise of all the superheroes from like the classic superheroes growing up? If you're looking at if we're going strictly Marvel, Marvel, well, yeah. let's just let's narrow it down to Marvel because yeah, I probably I probably have opinions on characters. <laughs> Dark Man, yeah. but but would, Marvel, yeah, I would say they probably are the ones who probably got the 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 short end of the stick when it comes to like the movie interpretations. They, yeah. they, they haven't really seemed to to get it right. I feel like the the current like Marvel people who are behind the projects would be able to make it work. I think right? so. I mean, like, they've made great they've made great fun superhero movies. So you yeah. think now that it's back in the hands of Marvel, hopefully they can you know do it justice. I think I'm biased to Ben Grimm, the the orange thing for people who don't know who that means. Uh, <laughs> I really that was like the first comic book character that I loved. And it wasn't even until I got older that I realized the little nuances that I was like, he's just an old, angry Jewish man. I love it. Like, no wonder I under He's like Larry David if you were a superhero. Um, but I, love, I, I love that idea. Larry David is a superhero. Was there, like, any particular, like, character that, like, sort of clung on to you when you were kid? You sort of remember, like, yeah, whatever it is about this character, I sort of relate to them. Um, there was, there was always, I'm going to, you know, as a kid I always liked... I hate to say it because it's I always like Batman, but I liked like the, the Adam West Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was because it was it was, it was in reruns in the eighties when, when I was on when, when my brother and I would watch it on TV and we would go around um, 
and we would play in the backyard. And I remember my uncle, when we were little, once taking a refrigerator box and he cut like a bat shield, like they would have on the show, <laughs> yes. and some batterings. My brother and I would run around the backyard <laughs> as Batman and Robin. And so that was a lot of fun. But but I'm thinking like as a comic, you know, not, not like pop culture, like what sure. I watch on TV, but as a comic reader, um, probably The Flash. Flash. I read a lot of The Flash really? when I was a kid, Flash. and I I had um, so much so that I was so into The Flash that. Um, I had a paper route as a kid, and I would save the paper route money and used to get these little catalogs in the mail. Like, it's funny because now we have the internet and you can go online yeah. and buy whatever you want. But they would be these little Xeroxed um, catalogs from <laughs> yeah. people who were selling off their comic convention or collections. And I don't even remember how you'd get on a mailing list for them, but they'd show up in my mailbox and it'd be like, you know, selling, you know, The Flash, you know, one, you know, 26 from 1964, $4. You know, and be oh, like, yeah. like So I would use my paper route money and I would send these checks to these random strangers with these catalogs. Mm-hmm. And I bought a ton of like, 60s flash books that i just devoured as a as a, as a kid and it, it, there was something about i don't know that character that i loved mm. Maybe because he ran fast and i later you know, I, I did track track and cross country and i loved to run in the backyard i i don't know but over um, the years i've sort of negged on the flying superpower because i feel like it's the easiest superpower to have and yeah. super speed i always thought would be like a cool superpower to have now i'm going to segue to something else that i brought out here yeah. this is easily the nerdiest piece of equipment i have this is bad radio for folks out here <laughs> this is called heroes unlimited Heroes Unlimited was basically a Dungeons and Dragons style oh my basic like tabletop dice game for superheroes. So, for superheroes. Oh my gosh. And as a kid, now mind you, I never actually played this game because uh-huh. I was not a nerd. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, because I didn't really know what to do. But if you take a look through it, what it basically was was a book full of how to build superhero characters oh my for the sake of making this game, like Dungeons. And it was mm-hmm. funny to me because it just has all these lists of superpowers. Oh, my god! it's so, it's the nerdy. So if you want to, folks want to look this up on the internet if you're into oh looking it up. Heroes Unlimited. Uh, it is a 90s, 80s style D&D uh, game master's guide. I'll, I'll put a picture up with it. That's funny. Uh, but I remember like running through, like this was the book that I would consult when they would be like a superhero and I would go look at their power. I'm like, I don't know. This book says that this power's got lots of limitations. <laughs> You're just thinking of guy. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I guess the, I guess that I wonder when we're going to get the Pixar, because for a long time it was like Marvel makes all these movies and they're all great and it was like, they're never going to get a miss. I'm waiting for a miss. I don't think Captain Marvel's going to be a miss. And I think that Avengers Endgame probably doesn't have any chance of being anything but like a huge well, we money maker. Coming, but well, those waves that are... Because they're not going to no. end. You know, they're going to keep going and reboot sort of. So sooner or later... There's... I, Captain America's got to be gone. That's my prediction. Which, which, is, which I'm sure it will <laughs> I'm be. Sure but it's he's... a shame because I feel like Chris Evans is was is like... He's like born to play Captain America. He's like perfect. I love that guy. As <laughs> He's so good. And if you follow him on Twitter, holy crap! I feel like he is like like oh three political tr- you know tweets away from mm. putting on the costume himself and like like leading a revolution because this guy is just like. He's really, he's just, I don't know, he's he seems like Captain America personified. I do understand, I have to say. I went back a couple days ago and looked at his filmography. I think it was during the Oscars because I was like, you know, man, look at Captain America down in the front row helping Lady Gaga <laughs> get up to the stage. And I was just like, you know, he's really never really done any, like, giant movie. Like, even a guy like Bradley Cooper, right, who's, like, mm-hmm. the voice of Rocket. He was in, like, like these big-time Oscar movies, American Hustle, like, American Sniper, and... He was in the Hangover movies. Like I can't really think of any other huge Chris Evans movies. He's bes- so identified with this as Captain America for this many years. Yeah. I mean, gosh, he that was the first of the mm-hmm. well, Iron Man was, but I mean, then like when they started assembling, right? Like, that, was the, that was the first one. Real kind of uh, Iron connected Man, universe. That's the, the Iron Man movie. 
even though it is like I guess the first starting point of the Marvel Universe, if you will, it didn't feel like a movie that was the starting point or something. That mm-hmm. movie was made specifically like, hey, to if this goes well, movie, right, we yeah. could do more with it, but we could just be a dope Iron Man movie. Exactly. It is weird now in hindsight that Iron Man was the one. I never, yeah, I never yet, cared about Iron Man. You know, Man. but it's funny because in that way, there's sort of this this kind of low expectations. Yeah. You know, if they were making if they were making a Captain America movie or they were making a Spider-Man movie, you have all these expectations because every, people right. don't know those characters. I mean, Iron Man at that time was he was kind of I mean he was known by you know comic readers and yeah he was had some Saturday morning cartoon yeah. stuff but the general movie going audience didn't really like have this intricate knowledge of, of who Iron Man was or his background so it, it was a, actually kind of a smart starting point for all I don't think it can be understated how much Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark was ultimate like oh hell casting. yeah like, oh, it really more than even almost more than Evans, I think. Oh, I like, think so. He yeah. embodies that sort of like he's kind of a jerk. And I, he, I don't think you and I don't think you're you would to like him. see this success that you're seeing in these movies if it hadn't if it not for Robert Downey Jr. No. at that beginning with Iron Man. I mean, he was what really you know kind of made it. My, I think if I'm Chris Evans and I'm Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, I'm, I'm not certainly, uh, but if I was, even if I wanted to be out. I would probably still kind of be soft out. Like, you don't think that, like, a couple years from now, they might want Chris Evans to pop back up for a movie? Cameo. Like, cam- yeah, like somewhere that, yeah. along the way. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like you always kind of in. They'll find a way to pull yeah, you back yeah. in. I don't know if I'm looking forward to the, like, the, the Falcon, Black Widow, Vision-led Marvel yeah, <laughs> universe I mean, in, like, five years. There's, you know, I don't, I, they, it's going to be interesting hmm. to see what they do when this first wave of all these, yeah. what has become the mainstream Marvel universe, cinematic universe, yeah. kind of comes to a close, how, how they're going to carry it from there. When's the last time you've been in a physical comic book store? <laughs> um, I can legitimately say, you know, uh, uh, like a few months ago. Like, two months like ago, within good. the past two good. months, within two months, do you go to Ravenwood? I go to Ravenwood. I was going to say, that's the... but my but my habits have changed. It used sure. to be that you know I'd go pick up like you know Batman books, Superman books, you know the, the mainstream stuff. But like these days, um, I'm not really reading a lot of mainstream stuff. Yeah. Most of what I'm reading is is from smaller companies. Um, there's a company called Ahoy Comics, mm-hmm. um, which has some hilarious stuff. Nice. Um, they do they do this great series that, that hooked me in the beginning called The Wrong Earth. <laughs> and it's about, it's the, the concept is basically, um, what if Ben Affleck Batman and Adam West Batman flipped universes? Oh. <laughs> but it's with this, you know, this That's fill-in character good. called yeah. uh, Dragonfly and Dragonfly Man. Sure. You just fill them in, but, but they're essentially the Adam West Batman yeah, yeah. and the... Ben Affleck Batman and it's Pretty you know good. they flip universes so what happens when like the the kind of 60s you know always prepared kind of yeah, yeah. You know, Adam West superhero ends up in this dark gritty <laughs> you know people putting guns <laughs> in each other's faces all the time earth and the the, the grim and gritty setting villains on fire yeah. hero ends up in that very 60s pop art kind of earth and it's it's fun yeah. stuff and and that's been a, a favorite of mine in the past couple of months that's but pretty um, good but um, yeah i've been i've been trying away from a lot of the mainstream stuff lately i think when i was a kid i always was i think that as a kid i grew up in the era of the x-men animated cartoon and like spider-man sort of being set as like the your hook the teenagers in so yeah like they were kind of establishing themselves as like your starting point for superheroes but i think dark horse comics was the first like off brand not off brand but like the, the third brand comic dark, dark horse and image in the 90s were really yeah kind of, yeah yeah that was the first time i was like oh there is other stuff out here besides yeah. um now dark horse was weird it was like <laughs> it was like yeah. weird movie license stuff you could yeah. get like uh yeah. Like a Freddy versus Jason versus Ash comic book, or like stuff, a yeah. Alien versus Predator, weird, weird stuff. Stuff like that, yeah. But I dug it, and I do sort of miss 
like um I guess I never I didn't catch up I think unfortunately with when everything moved to like the digital platforms you see your comicsology stuff yeah, yeah it just doesn't feel the same to me no and I know that a lot of people like it right I know a yeah. lot of people love it I think it's the convenience of it if you can't yeah. find something in a, if you can't find something physically in the store hmm. it's like you know what let me go home and let me just buy it plop and I'll read it right now um, yeah you know, and and that's there's there's a convenience factor that too but no I I totally I say this as a person who's some of his work is yeah. in the digital realm I you know I there's something about holding a paper book in your yeah. hands you know there's just it's visceral it feels good exactly. it feel it smells like paper and yes. ink and yeah uh speaking of physical copies you have a physical copy in the store uh, or in the store in the studio uh of your new book yes. uh the yes. little lamp which little you've lamp. been promoting for a few weeks i've seen you all over the place yeah <laughs> if people um, aren't sick of me yet <laughs> now we were just talking about this you have this on amazon and barnes noble it's in hardcover paperback and and uh ebook. The, yeah ebook yes now yeah. i was just gonna i'm very curious how how does that setup compare to like the editing or layout session for like a paperback or a hardcover? Um, each each one has its own um, you know variations. You know everything has everything has mm. adjustments that have to be made for, sure. for various formats. Um, but but the product itself is is you know the contents itself sure. is, is still the same. You're not you're still getting the same story. You're still mm. getting the same artwork. Um, and um, it's just a, honestly it's it's just a damn good story. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to take a look at it for yeah, just one second. Go right and uh, ahead. while I'm going to look at this, yes. will you just tell us a little bit about where this idea initially came from yeah. and why you decided now was the time to to, 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 to move this. on? Yeah. It. Um it's it's funny cuz I I like to joke that you know it puts, you know, years in the in the making to the test because um the the the, the type not the story but the character right. of the little lamp um mm was something that I used to doodle in, in elementary school. Yeah. I used to make these... St. Peter's. St. Peter's in Arctica. <laughs> and I used to make these little... Um, Little uh, Xerox comic books, you know, in like third, fourth grade, with right? Like my, and with me and my friends in, it, and this little lamp would go on these adventures and stuff. And you know, and it was in a fun grade school thing. And it, but so it, it had always, you know, been around. Um, but um, some years ago, gosh, and it was now we're in 2019, so it's very hard for me to figure out exactly when this was. Several mm. years ago, um, I started working on drafts of. Um, I knew I'd want to do a kids book. And mm-hmm. I kind of had the story in my mind, and, and for some reason, I kept going back to that uh, d- those doodles from mm-hmm. from elementary school of the little lamp, and I, I wanted to tell a story, uh, a feel good story, a story ab- about uh, why people matter, about, about purpose. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I started working on drafts of story, and, and and did draft after draft, and then I, I ended up working with a, a friend and, and mentor of mine, which is um, um, J M. DeMatteis, who mm. used to write Justice League International oh, wow. for DC, and he writes a lot of the... Um, Love the art. D- in this, the D- oh, oh, as, I'll get, as I'm scrolling. I'll get to, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. To, to that in a second. Um, and he used to write... Um, he writes a lot of like the DC animated movies. Oh, nice. So, uh, I, you know, I consulted with him, and we kind of worked through my drafts of the of the Lula Lamp to kind of um, really get it a lot more more focused. There's a dedication mm. to him in the, in the front of the book sure. um, for his help. And... Um, and, and just got it to a point several years ago where where it seemed um, ready to to to, uh, to you know for it to eventually move on to the the next mm. step and submissions and, and things like that. Um, and it, the the and the whole purpose was that I, I you know I wanted to tell a story uh, about about purpose ab- mm. about what mattered. And so you know this story is uh, about a, a little lamp that is in in a household for many many years, and then um, over time they get a new lamp. He gets put to the basement, and eventually gets put to the curb. And he starts questioning, uh, well, you know, if I'm not shining for this family, what purpose do I serve? Sure. You know, what what is the point of all this? And it the and he's you know he's rescued from the garbage 
pile and finds you know um, a new purpose and new life, um, and, and and you know he shines again. And and the whole purpose of it was to kind of get this message across that that despite upheaval in our lives, and that could upheaval could be anything. I mean, in his case. You know, there's a new lamp that comes. He's mm. he's you know relegated to the basement. Then he's he's put out at the curb. Right. It's to remind people that despite any kind of upheaval, no matter what that is, that you still matter. That you still have a purpose. That purpose may change. It may not be what you thought it was, but you still have a reason for being. Um, and I felt like, mm. for some reason, I just felt like now is the, the the time I want. I just really wanted people to to understand that about themselves, no matter who they are, no matter what they were going through. Um, it could also be because now you know now I have children, so I really wanted I to focus ask, more think, on, on a story for, for them. Yeah, know? and I, I was wondering, I was going to ask you a little bit because sure. you know last time we talked as well, you were doing the Lacey and Lily stuff. You're mm-hmm. still you're still doing that as well. Yeah, but, the comic projects are. Still and I wonder is like if that's part of it. Do you want to leave something that your kids can look at and say like, yeah, I, I, yes. I left something good and positive for them to take away. From. Yeah, you know, it's and it's. You're you're always a, a proud in, in in various things that you do mm-hmm. in some way. There's always a piece of you in there. Um, but you know, I you know, I think back to like okay, a couple of years ago, I had an, uh, this novel come out called, called One Mystery, and at the time, I was very proud that it was it was done and it was out. But it was a concept that was written in my mid twenties. Yeah. Okay. And I know, I'm, I just turned thirty nine. So when I go back and I look at that. It's very grim. It's very yeah. dark. It's it's very almost like dystopian. Yeah. And it's and it's like okay, that was very yeah. much. I can see how that was very much like twenty four year old Dave. And it was great to have it. It was great even like to have it out there. But I kind of looked back after you know, several months of uh, like pro, you know promoting this book, and I, mean, I said, you know, I'm glad that that project is there. Yeah. But I want to do more. I want to. I'm at a different stage in my life than when that was written, and I I wanted to do things that instilled more more hope and more meaning um and that you know uh when you know when all is said and done and the dust settles and, and i'm nothing more than dust uh in the end <laughs> dust, and dust in the wind yeah. um that I just, you know thank you Thanos. um that what i you know that what i leave behind me leaves a more positive message yeah, and it really sure. motivated me to kind of pull the little lamp out of mothballs you know, mm-hmm. to, to, to work with, with uh, Demetrius, you know, with it, to, re- to really fine-tune it, showed it to some, you know, other, um, you know, author friends and, and really get some feedback. And, and then, you know, you start doing submissions and things. And then eventually, um, you know, I found uh, Ada uh, Kanuki, who is a, a, a children's illustrator. She's done several children's books um, based in the country of Poland. And mm-hmm. so we seemed to have a, a good connection um, about the story and what we both saw as the visuals for it, um, and we worked together over the the course of, of um, several months to a year, really working through this and and um, you know and things you know set around for a little bit, but it's it's out now, and I couldn't be happier, and I'm, I'm happy with the overall product. It's, and I want to say just from my quick look here, mm-hmm. uh, and when I first looked at a lot of the pictures from it, it was on the cell phone or mm-hmm, on the mm-hmm. on the website, and it had a really nice. Uh, I want to say it had a really sh- like a very clean design to it, but really, as I'm looking at the physical copy of it in front of me, and you're looking at the pages, that's really nice. Like really this, the artwork, and it's almost like like a, a not a watercolor vibe to it, but almost like a painted, painted vibe. Yeah, yeah exactly. really smooth. The transition, really beautiful, especially when you get a real good look at it when up close. And mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah, that's me being an old an old timer who no, likes that's it. That's okay. <laughs> it's, it's 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 great. And, and you know, I always say at the end of the day, you know, at the end of the day, my, my kids really like the story and yeah. they enjoy the book. And that's you know, if, if anything, that's what matters. However, you know, I will say that I've been very very lucky because this book's been out for a couple of weeks, yeah. and it's. Um, kind of just doing consistently well. Mm-hmm. 
I'm being contacted by more and more people. Mm. It's always nice when people I know, you know, are contacting right. me. Yeah, yeah. It's even stranger <laughs> and nicer when it's people I don't know who yeah. are reaching out um, and are saying, you know, I bought this book for my you know, grandchild or my child or, or whatever. You know, I had seen it here in this catalog or whatever, and I, I purchased it. And I've had a few people say, you know, I, I, you know, I bought it for those reasons, but um, I'm buying additional copies for my office because I'm a social worker or a counselor or a therapist, and I have uh, I I want to use it in, in therapeutic use. And I was um, overwhelmed, you know, uh, with I, it was just overwhelmed, like to, to get a reception like that, mm-hmm. and to know that it resonated enough with mm-hmm. people that they felt. Well, it could be useful to help other people. Um, well, I think that's just, you know, it's hard, I think, when you're a creative type or a creator to look at things objectively because you're so close to it, and you're right? Always, and I'm always second-guessing. You're always, <laughs> I think that comes that with I it. Do. That's yeah. just, it, whenever you spend enough time with something, you spend hours. I always think of this when I was writing papers, right? If you spend more than three hours writing a term paper, by the end of that third hour, you're like, I don't even know what I'm talking this about This is anymore. terrible. I, I have yeah. no idea. Mm-hmm. I'm off the rails. I might as well just... So I think... Once you've gotten so invested in something, it becomes like at this point in time, I just got to put it out there and see how people react to it because yeah. I'm too I'm too close. Yeah, right? and yeah. it must be it is to a certain extent. It's got to feel satisfying. Like okay, maybe I am going to resonate with someone more than just myself. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And when it ha- and, and the fact that it has and that, that like yeah. I say that it's it's you doing well and like you know at one point like Amazon's stocks of the hardcover the paperback had like sold out and they like nice. restocked and it, it was just. It was just this overwhelming, wonderful feeling um, on many levels. One, because it's a message that I'm very happy to put out there, mm-hmm. and I want people to know um, about themselves, that, that you know, no matter who mm-hmm. you are, you matter. Um, but also, I think on a personal level, because this character has been with me for so yeah. long, um, to think back to when I was in third mm-hmm. grade, and, and you know, my friends and I were these Xerox you yeah. know, comics with this character, and it, to now knowing that there are complete strangers out there who are reading this book and holding it in their hands is um, a very bizarre but wonderful feeling. Uh, I, I, it's hard to describe. I'm sure you have nothing but great things to say since we just talked about it, but what was the process like for you and Ada, for you sort of showing her your designs and her taking them? and go? Did you just sort of let her go her own way with it? Was there like, this is what I have in my head? I What I did originally... Um, when we were talking, I, I had sent her a little doodle, and I kind sure. of just drew him like I drew him um, in grade school, and I sent it off to her. And she had um, sent me back a sample page. It was one of the pages from the book. I sent her like a, a little doodle, and then like one of the verses um, in the book. It was, I think it was this one, uh, mm. this one here. Oh yeah, which, uh, great radio, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. this picture <laughs> we can't picture. see. Yeah. Um, but basically, you know, I sent her a verse from the book, and then a little doodle. And yeah. then, you know, um, she spent some time working on it, sent, it ba- sent me back a sample page. Mm-hmm. And then, and I got it back and I was like, oh my God, this this looks like, yeah. this is a much improved version, but <laughs> yeah. it looks exactly like how mm-hmm. I used to draw the character as, as an eight-year-old. And, and this actually, this picture that no one else can see besides you and myself, uh, it's a good example of why I think the artwork is really nice on this because, again, it's a lamp. Yeah. There's a certain amount of light aspect to it. She does yeah. a really nice job of portraying and it really fills in a lot of the... The darker tones, really nice, nice stuff. I and, like it a lot. Yeah, she she was she was yeah. absolutely wonderful, and you know she um, like she was just a joy to work with. We had this the same vision, mm-hmm. and when she'd ask, you know, my thoughts on on pages mm-hmm. and you know in the book, I would uh, say things. And if they didn't jive, she'd let me know. But uh, most of the time, we were on the same page. No, no pun intended. Um, 
you know, which is great because I've, you know, I've worked with, you know, it, it's different working with, with different people. Um, you know, I'm sure I'll plug later on my ongoing uh, collaboration with, with uh, Andrew Zielinski. Well, I was going to ask, is this, this isn't part of the Danny Press stuff you do or this is part of... This This is under this Danny is under Press. Danny Press. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. people can go to you on Twitter and see that and stuff still or... Uh, they can go to, yeah, they can go, go to my Twitter. I mean... It, you could search on on Google. You know, if you search yeah. on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anybody can find. It. We have a distributor for this, which oh, okay. makes a nice. di- makes a huge difference. Yeah, so, you know, our distributor um, gets it to all of these nice. outlets like Barnes and Noble awesome. and Amazon. And I'll, I'll link these, everything to all for, these retailers. Yeah, for our folks. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to ask, how's Andrew doing? Are you guys still Andrew's, plugging along? Andrew's doing great. <laughs> um, we uh, are get, actually getting ready to launch a Kickstarter uh, nice. in the next week or two for a Lacey and Lily, Lily graphic novel. Awesome. Um, ah, nice. You know, because, um, you know, Lacey and Lily has pretty much been a digital uh, comic sure. book for the most part. Yeah. Um, but we're, we want to take the, the story that we were telling digitally over the past year and, and do it in one big graphic novel. I so the graphic novel I know. format. It's, like, it's complete. You know, yeah, it's one big complete good. story. So we're, you know, in the next, I want to say... Week, I think we're waiting till like Captain Marvel comes out, and we're gonna launch it around then. Sure. Um, uh, we're gonna be doing the Kickstarter, um, you know, for the graphic novel, and that'll uh, hopefully, you know, be com- out in people's hands in the, the fall, and hopefully that will, um, you know, we're hoping we'll have the same level of distribution, so that if somebody wants to, you know, go to Barnes and Noble or Amazon and, and purchase it, they'll be able awesome. to. So if all goes, you know, according to plan, um, you know, that'll be it too. Um, but we're continuing. Um, Lace and Lily, you know, we're, we're getting the graphic novel ready. Um, Andrew's continuing to to draw new installments for the, the digital adventures and eventually, uh, hopefully, another graphic novel. Um, you know, we're still, it's still an all-ages, young mm-hmm. adult type of book. And, um, you know, we're still occasionally doing holidays, you know, nice. to our more adult series. Um, and so, I think I read you were thinking about doing a second novel as well. Uh, yes, I actually have a draft of one that I keep. I keep. It's, <laughs> never it's, ending. I no, it. it's never ending. <laughs> uh, no, the past like two years I've been working on a, a novel and I, I, I always hate to talk too much about stuff before it's out, but it's a... No, I'm with you on it's, that. It's, it's a period piece. And oh, wow. It's about, probably about 70, takes place about 70 years ago. Mm. Um, um, but I'm, it's, um, again, it's more of a um, taking a, a I guess uh, another direction for just my my writing style. Sure. Uh, after a couple of years, you know how things were a couple of years ago. Um, it's it's more of a, a hopeful <laughs> story, <laughs> um, you know, with with a lot of more uh, yeah. uplifting discussions and, and mm-hmm. characters, and um, in, in a time again without, without talking too much about it, in, in a very dark time of our country's history, uh, mm-hmm. you know, many decades ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I'm hoping that that will see the light of day eventually. It's just going through a lot of, of revisions, and again, hopefully that will you know um, eventually end up the same route as, as the lamp and be you know have hmm. get some distribution and be able to be out there and you know the you know via Barnes and Noble and Amazon and all those places. Hmm. So we'll and hopefully not just out of the trunk of my car. So we'll <laughs> we'll see we'll see. Uh, well, I always appreciate you coming. I do have a lot uh, a few lightning round questions because you've been on so many times. I have yeah, to oh, new absolutely. questions for you guys. Uh, all right, so earlier this week, yeah. I read an article uh, that Congresswoman uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is humbled and honored to become a superhero in the new comic that somebody did, a comic book version of her life. So it got me thinking about, like, is there any person you would like to make a comic book version of? <laughs> it makes me think, when I was a kid, I used to think, I used to, they used to actually make, so stupid, WCW wrestling <laughs> comic books. And it would uh-huh. be like Sting fighting Cactus Jack on a boat somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so is there any like, weird often you would have liked to make a comic book? Or any, uh, 
Do I get to make up the situation that goes along yes, with please. it? Yes, please. <laughs> oh gosh! Now I don't have anybody like like that I've been thinking of. But like now, I got to come up with an answer. Could we? You know, could we do like you know, um, you know, Paul Lind and Charles Nelson Riley are like forced <laughs> to like you know uh, command a boat crew together out on the ocean, you know, or something like that. That would be. You know. I feel like there's a uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is the other one. I feel like that's. I'm surprised no one's jumped on that. She's like a huge. I'm surprised. I've seen Ruth Bader now. Ginsburg action figures. Everything. I'm <laughs> surprised no one's done that yet. Um, all right. So uh, here's one for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you could relive any event or moment in your own life, oh god, what would it be and why? Relive any moment. Oh my gosh. Wow. Um, tough one. I know that one's really tough and. It's really tough because I feel like now I'm I'm I sound like such an old man. It's like I just turned thirty nine, <laughs> but like I feel like I, I'm at a place mentally and, and personally where it's like a, a, you know, and I didn't always feel this way where I just mm. feel like everything just leads you to the next spot. Mm. So I've kind of that's a just great point actually always. I'm kind of just at this point in my life where like everything happened for a reason everything moved me to the next spot that I was supposed to be so I could be here now mm. and then where I am 10 years from now everything that will happen in between now and then will have led me to there so <laughs> so I'm kind of like just grateful for the moments that I've had and and um, if anything I wish I could just go back and tell myself to enjoy things more because mm-hmm. I think that yeah. um, I, I always suffered from the, the bad habits of um, worrying about the present and worrying about a future that may or may not come and not um, and taking away from the joy of actually living in, in that moment. moment yeah. yeah, I think that's hard too, especially as you get to the age that we're sort of in this like yeah. mid to late thirties kind of era. It's like I wonder where it, where's things going. What's next what am for I us? Doing? You know, <laughs> even even with like kids, it's like you know like you something happens and you know you, I suddenly start thinking about oh gosh, is this a precursor? What's it going to be like yeah. in the teen years? And it's like stop. You got to tell yourself just mm-hmm. stop. Enjoy now. You know you'll tackle this them was, as they come. This was a good old man thing to happen to me a few weeks ago. My nephews. My nephew, I'm uh, in the closer. He's closer to me in terms of distance. My other one lives in Chicago. Oh, okay. This nephew is into The Simpsons suddenly, and I loved The Simpsons as a kid. I think The Simpsons was an important piece of pop culture in terms of me developing like sense of humor, understanding like satire, and like just being kind of funny. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a great, it was an important show to me. And yet somehow when I'm watching it with him. I'm like, I don't know if this is appropriate for you. Mm-hmm. Like, that was my first, I was like, oh, man. I was like, really, am I saying this out yeah. loud to myself? Like That's that's tough, because there's times where, like, I'll, I'll want to watch things with my son, and, and sometimes I don't, I remember them differently. Mm. So yes. I'll want to watch something, and I'll be like, mm, uh, no. And we'll get halfway through, and I'll be like, you know, let's watch something else, buddy, because I realize it's 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 not, yeah, not kosher. Uh, who would you like to play you in the movie of your life? Oh my! In the movie gosh. version of your life. Who would you like to play you? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I, I could see a little bit of a Sam Rockwell vibe going. Sam Rockwell. I see well, it. I'm flattered. <laughs> I can see it. That's that's wonderful. It. Um, <laughs> He's one of my favorites. Yeah. So no. Right. I. You know what? I, I. I would leave that to the casting director. <laughs> I, I feel like you know, no matter who I came up with, would either be incredibly self-deprecating or incredibly <laughs> self-brandizing, and I, I don't think I could. I, mean, I could do it very even-handed. People so. just tell me that it would just be Mark Maron. Like you're, you'll play Mark Maron in a movie of his life. Nice. I like, that's nice. Fair. I, like I, that. that's I like that. That's great. <laughs> what is your favorite? fast food item you know i have to be honest the past since august mm. i have been on a diet oh uh, per a my diet. Do- per my doctor um i've had uh you know 
dealing with like high cholesterol. Yeah. And so my diet, my doctor, um, my diet wanted yeah. it talks to me. Um, my doctor um, has had me on a low to no carb, low to no sugar diet. Mm. So I've had to like say goodbye to like pizza and and mm. breads and um, you know all of those things, which I love. I love you know French fries yeah. and the sweet potato fries once in a while. I can yeah, still yeah. do, but like. Huh. Um, for the most part, I've had to give a lot of that stuff up, so I don't really do fast food any for since like you know August. I've had yeah. to really just um, it's been a very like meat, vegetable, yeah, yeah. fruit um, kind of diet. It's good for so you though. I lost like fifteen pounds, believe it or not. I feel like I'm just in that place where I'm broke all the time. So like, <laughs> weirdly, like eating healthy is surprisingly more expensive it than really eating garbage. Is. And that's, right? like, that, I feel like that's a whole other discussion <laughs> about the state of our world and country oh right my God, now. Because right. it's like, what you know, it makes you question, like, okay, it's so cheap because what are you putting in, in these it's foods? But yet, if you're, you're going to charge me 99 cents for this burger, what's in the burger? Remember when you can't do that on television? What do you think's in the burger? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, but you're going to charge me $7 for the salad. And it's like, I think yeah. that there's a, gr- there's a bigger discussion there yeah. about the, the cost of trying to eat I, healthy. It's a, it's a damn shame at this point in time in my life when most of my breakfasts consist of just coffee. It's like, yeah, well, I had a cup of coffee. It's a shame. It's probably going to give me an ulcer. I'm, almost, know, I'm almost sure. No, no I, I understand. <laughs> it's, it's, and like I said, if it wasn't for... And, you know, honestly, I probably wouldn't be as strict with this diet of, like, the, the eating yeah. healthy. And, I, yeah, I've had to, like, make sacrifices elsewhere because it's more costly yeah. to, to eat that way. Did you need a doctor to say something to you before you changed it? Because that's well, sort of where I feel like my... I, I had always kind of... Because I'd always been told, like, some people just live with high cholesterol numbers. But it wasn't just, you know, and I'm going to sound totally unscientific here. It wasn't just the numbers. My doctor explained to me that there's, like, these two parts of a certain type of cholesterol. Mm. and you Or these two types of particle sizes. Right. Very small and very large and I used to have very large which is what you want because mm-hmm. they're so large they can't get like under the arteries and cause car- sure. uh, cardiovascular problems mine went from very large to very tiny hmm. and she can't figure out quite exactly what hmm. happened there so all these yeah so all <laughs> these di- so this dieting is to kind of go back and remove sure. a lot of these things from my diet to see if we can because she kind of put it to me bluntly she was like well you can have the donut or you can think about if you want to be around for your kids. And <laughs> that kind of, I needed that sort of straightforward yeah. message. And I was like, you know what? I, my, my kids are really young. I want to be around. I want to see them, you know, go off to college. I want to see them, you know, possibly get married or, or whatever. So, mm-hmm. so it that made a huge difference to me because it was like, mm-hmm. I need to make a decision and I, I need to do something here. So, you know. That's good. Good answer. I love it. Uh, what's a movie that you'll always stop and watch oh, if you're cl- flipping channels? Clue. Clue. Clue the movie. Oh, my gosh. I mean, there's probably some other ones, too. There's, like, toss-ups. Like, you know, like, if, if, um, if like, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade is on, yep. that's another one. Ferris Bueller, you know, those are probably like, my top three, like, if any, they're on, i got to watch. I grew up in enough of an Italian family where any Scorsese movie is like that. If mm. I catch any scene in any Scorsese movie, I'll probably hang out for a minute. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is this, The Departed? All right, I'm going yeah. to give this 20 minutes to see till Wahlberg shows up. And then... There was a time, there was a time <laughs> where I probably could have recited the entire, like, like screenplay to Clue. Like, oh, was yeah. that... Well, like, Clue, I don't know if you were from the same sort of, like, it was on Comedy Central for a period of time, like, every All week. the time. All the time. When I was in high school, and I, yeah, Clue came out in 1985, but when I yeah, was yeah. in high school in the in the early, mid-90s, like, my friends and I, my, one of my, my friends, we, we had, like, like a well-worn VHS of Clue, yeah, yeah. like, on weekends. We would, like, watch it multiple times. Was that movie a bomb? 
Did you know, not I do don't well. know what the success of it was, but you know, I think maybe it might have been. But what's interesting is that in the theaters, because if, if anybody who's who's a fan of the Clue movie knows that, yes. if you watch it now on DVD or, or VHS or anything, or even on TV, you'll see the multiple endings. It had multiple endings right. like the game. Apparently, in the theaters, they didn't run all the endings. Yeah, the idea, so you just uh, got one ending. So like maybe you went to a theater in Utica and you saw it and. Like Miss Scarlet had done it, but your friend in California had gone to the theater and like, oh, it's the ending with Mrs. Peacock who did it, <laughs> and it's like so you you they had these different endings based on on just what really the theater ended up with, but I feel like it works a lot funnier with the multiple endings. That movie, yes, it does. I used to, on Comedy Central they would run all the endings. Yeah, right? they would run them all, and then it'd be like, but here's what really, really happened. happened. Uh, and I think for me that movie, I think people give Tim Curry a lot of the the, the shine in that movie, and he's great in it. I'm a big Christopher Lloyd fan all the oh, time. That, <laughs> He's ensemble, so good. that ensemble in that whole Michael McKeon so there's good. that that whole cast of Michael McKeon, uh, Madeline Kahn, you know, Leslie Ann Warren, Christopher Lloyd. I mean, they were Martin Mull. I mean, they were they were all so good. I think the one thing with Madeline Kahn that always sticks in my head is when she's talking about why she had to kill the the, the lady. She's like, flames, flames from, from the, from the from side of my face, heathing <laughs> so breaths. Oh, so she's great. Or Mr. <laughs> or, or, or uh, Michael, Michael McKeon and how many times he would, he, he slapped, yeah. um, uh, what's it, Eileen Bryan yeah. stop her from screaming. You know, I just, that movie is so good. I'm going to go home and sleep, sleep with, with my, my wife. Oh yeah, I love that movie. And that was a movie that I remember, I remember telling my drama club teacher, shout out to Mr. Bergamo, I remember telling my drama club teacher in middle school that was one of my favorite movies and he's like Clue? Yeah. Clue's one of your favorite movies? I'm like it's hilarious! I pro- I directed again I, f- I feel like I'm thinking about all your time uh, 2009? 2008? Mm. I directed a, a music, Clue the Musical, Clue the musical. at the Little Theater yes. in Ilion <laughs> and it was the first time I had directed a play and you know the, the play is very different it's, it's strictly based on the board game sure. but I could not help myself and I kept like working references to the movie like I like into the script like I'd like, yeah, like yeah. let's just make an adjustment and like you know because um, Mr. Body like narrates the whole play but I was like you know what Mr. Body needs an assistant oh we're gonna have Yvonne, uh, Yvette the Maid come out and we're gonna yeah. Yeah. I would just like add all these little references to you know the movie wherever I, I could I had this issue when I did Little Shop of Horrors with some like a couple years ago because there's a song in the Little Shop of Horrors movie that like uh, what's his name uh, the, dentist, the dentist oh the dentist the oh yeah yeah and that part's different and it's like, that movie, it plays different and it's like can we just do the one from the, from movie? the movie because exactly. that's the one one. Yeah, yeah, That's the exactly. one that people like. Oh, yeah. Um, all right, similar sort of question. If you could be in any band, past or present, which one would you like to be in? The Monkees. The Monkees? I love the Monkees. Mm, I, I love you know. And, and there's, you know, and I, I, it's not a mutually exclusive thing where people are like, oh, you like the Monkees, you know, instead of yeah. the Beatles. You can like both, mm. and, and you can appreciate both the music. I love the Monkees because, I, I uh, A, they, they're just very funny. Um, I legitimately like, you know, most of their music. Um I love the fact that here's four guys who were cast in something who didn't mm-hmm. know each other to play a band, but then eventually became a yeah. real band. I, I'm I'm like fascinated by that. That's, That's I'm gonna sound like an idiot if I'm wrong. Daydream Believers, the Monkees, right? Daydream Believers, yep, okay. yep, that was the Monkees. Yeah. I have this, and I don't know if anyone ever has this. I don't know if it's just a musician thing, uh, but sometimes, and this is years, maybe it's just because I was a maniac when I was younger and I mm-hmm. listened to tons of music and I spent a lot of time doing that lifestyle. Sometimes when I'm listening to music i get what's called i call it the feels Mm -hmm. and it's just like a feeling in your chest when like the music and the tone it's all mixed daydream believer is one of those kind of songs when i listen to it a good volume gives me like the chest feels i'm like there's something about the frequencies of this song it's it lifts you up yeah it's it's a 
It's a really, and I, it's hard to explain, and I probably sound like a crazy person, but it happens to me for about, there's like 15, 20 songs. You're not crazy to me, of, Sam. You're thanks, not crazy man. to me. There's a Radiohead stuff songs like that, too, that I'm like, wow, like, just the way this bass comes yeah. in underneath it and the there's layering. Ton, there's and, tons yeah, of music yeah. out there that mm. just, just hit mm. you like that. And um, I, I'm always amazed when I hear a, a song, and it just reminds you of one particular point in time. Like yeah. Maybe I'm hearing a song and like, oh my gosh, that reminds me of that time in, in you know, 2006. That's true. You know, or like I'll hear something like, oh my gosh, this takes you back to 1993. And, and you just think about everything. You think about the friends you were with back then. You think about the, the you know, the people you were, you were, yeah. you know, had crushes on at the time or the heartbreak you were going through. It just is amazing how something can totally sum up an entire period of, of your life at any given well, time. There's an episode of Sopranos where they talk about that with Tony's talking to his therapist about that, about this famous writer who wrote a whole memoir of their youth because they ate a bite of a cookie that they had when they were a kid. And then like, the whole ties into the Tony's remembering that his dad chopped off somebody's finger oh, and that's gosh. why he can't eat the Capricorn <laughs> or whatever. It is, but, like, mm-hmm. uh, but it is true though. I like wonder if they made like the 90s version of that for me. It would just be like he ate some Doritos and had some Ecto Cooler and it brought him back <laughs> exactly. to a different time. You know what? That, that song is probably going to come out at some point. Yeah. Time, everybody loves to play on nostalgia. <laughs> and remind, I have one last plug at some point. Oh, no, go, go ahead, please. Um, at the uh, March 27th, the hmm. end of this month, speaking of nostalgia, um, I'm giving a, a uh, talk, whatever you want to call it, talk, discussion, lecture at uh, as part of MVCC's cultural series. Oh, nice. Um, regarding um, uh, comic books as a media form and how they were used as a form of propaganda during World War II. Ooh, so, um So, yes. Um, it, it's, a, it's a very large topic, so obviously I can't get into everything that counts as propaganda, but sure. we I touch upon uh, various aspects uh, and examples of mm. it, and I just wanted to get that... I, I, you know, no, that's I great. gotta get that little plug out. March twenty seventh. So. That's awesome. It's really cool. I love stuff like that, especially because you really. I read the uh, Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, which I've talked to you about in the past, yes. and uh, that book spends so much of its time talking about the impact of how comics were presented and made in the twenties yes. and what, it, and the the way they were used and how they were looked upon. And it's it's a lot more than just like what like stuff in a rack at a convenience store, right? Like, yeah, I, it, yeah it, there's so much to it in the. And without giving yeah. too much of, of, of that talk away, I will yeah. say that there were instances during um, World War II where, where agencies of the government yeah. or, or brand, you know, were actually communicating. Sorry, sorry. No, what's even yeah, yeah, disabled here? Okay. <laughs> um, where they were actually working with editors and publishers mm. to kind of work in certain themes into stories or, mm. or actually editing stories mm. themselves, you know, um, to make sure certain messages of. Yeah. of what do you want to call it? Uh, patriotism, propaganda, whatever. We're we're in there, so it's it's interesting stuff. So sorry, I didn't no, no, that's the no, lightning because I love the lightning round. So. No, remind me, uh, remind me later. I have to show you. Uh, I got a couple tattoos years ago. They did the Jack Kirby crackle on. I tried to get oh, somebody cool. to do the Kirby because I was I was trying to explain it to somebody last week. And I had to show them like a video. They're like, "What is? What are you talking about?" I was like, yeah. "Nah." <laughs> uh, so last but not least, uh, well, two last things really quickly. Sure. Give me one book, album, movie, or show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Okay, uh, let's see. Um, Movie just started. My wife and I just started watching a movie last night, and mm. but with with kids we have to watch movies in installments. Um, Saving Mr. Banks, which was the movie Tom, about Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks right. as Walt Disney, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like the trouble, uh, what it took to get Mary Poppins made. So oh. it, I, we're about forty minutes in, hoping to watch the rest of it. Very have good. You taking your kids to go see the new Mary Poppins? We did actually. You think? I was, saw it actually. That was my kids' first uh, experience at a movie theater. They oh. hadn't gone to the movies yet. Uh, what did you movie. think of the movie? 
I enjoyed it. Um, I mean, I love the original. So nothing nothing lives up to the original. Okay. But my, my quick lightning round thoughts on this were, um, it was fun. Um, she was good. She, uh, I thought Emily Blunt was fantastic. Yes, was I did not expect to be blown away by her performance. Um, I thought that it was a very smart move that if you were going to have Dick Van Dyke in the movie, to have him play the son of the banker yeah. and not Bert. And the reason for that, they... they, mm. they for a spoiler alert, for those who haven't seen it, Bird is not in the movie, but he's mentioned that he's off and away. I was thinking about this as I was watching the movie. I said, that's brilliant because Dick Van Dyke as Bert is as iconic as yeah, Mary Poppins. That's right. So if you have Mary Poppins returning and she's this immortal kind of being mm-hmm. and she looks exactly the same, and you have Dick Van Dyke at 90 something years old show up as Bert, there is something just in our pop culture psyches. That I think the wiring would be would be Bert yeah. to see old Bert, but to have just mention him that he's off and away and and not see Bert as an old man works. I have three, not necessarily spoiler style takes about this, but there's three things I thought about during this movie. One, every time Dick Van Dyke was on screen dancing, I was nervous in the he was way fall. that like I yeah then like I was like oh god mm-hmm. oh god I can't if he I know that this is filmed already then mm-hmm. nothing bad's gonna happen but yeah I freaking <laughs> love Dick Van Dyke I read his oh, memoir god. a couple years ago or one of his memoirs a couple years ago he is he, the, the guy's a national treasure I love Dick Van Dyke number two it definitely took me a, about ten minutes to get used to the incredibly over-the-top Cockney accent that Lin-Manuel yes. Miranda decided oh, to yes. use. It, which I'm sure is because Dick Van Dyke and his bad yeah, No, it's true. Yeah. And I didn't mind it so much after the first couple minutes, but then he does that song about... Uh, which yeah. is, I thought was the worst song in the movie. And it, it, it's not a it's not horrendous, but I was like, this is not... Of all, if you're ranking of all, again, if you're the, ranking songs, all yeah, the songs yeah. in the movie, it's um, lower on the list. Oh, I and then uh, the third one, I think, and I've had this debate, and maybe you can tie into it because we went back and forth on it. Justin Parkinson's made Utica and I argued, this new Mary Poppins movie does not have any callback songs to the old one. They don't even mention, like, they don't play Super Califragilist. There's no Spoonful of Sugar. No. There's no, yes. Now, I understand it's a sequel. Mm-hmm. Inherently, should it not have any of this? Should you try and just use all new songs, or should they have had one? I, you know what? Okay, you know, I guess I have, I'd have to go back and play closer attention mm-hmm. and see if anywhere, if in the scoring, yeah. if they worked anything into the instrumental. Into, right, into because the overture or something. Because maybe they might have done yeah. something in there, which, which if so, I, I think... Would would kind of pass muster for that throwback. Um, I feel you'd be cheap though in a weird way. It's like let's yeah, trot the old songs. Yeah, out. and again, like, I feel like there's it's it's so hard. Which is why I think I enjoyed it because I'm I'm so attached to like to, to the original yeah. that it's such a delicate balance to do something like that. Yeah. Anytime you go uh, to something so ingrained in our pop culture and mm-hmm. it's for so long ago yeah. that that has you know made the test of time mm-hmm. to try and like, okay, we're going to do a sequel. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. that's a pretty damn yeah. hard challenge. Mm-hmm. And so they walked this line. So I, I think they did this, I think they walked it pretty well of like, we're a sequel, but we're going to stand on our own. Yeah. So like, you can watch this and get it. But if you yeah, saw yeah. the original movie, you're going to get the references, you know. In the same way that I liked Guardians of the Galaxy 2 better than a lot of people because I love Kurt Russell and mm-hmm. I get a lot of mileage out of Kurt Russell, mm-hmm. I think I really liked Mary Poppins Returns because I love Emily Blunt and I got a lot of mileage out of her yeah. as that character. And she was yeah. she was lovely. She, she's I really good. Yeah, get over she, how good she yeah, was. I was amazed. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, and really quickly before we go, yeah. uh, I've already kept you here for almost an no, hour. No, um, please. You would love to fight me to get away from my <laughs> Uh I was reading an article yesterday about uh, people whose kids are starting to get into writing and creative stuff. And mm-hmm. I noticed you brought in, there's a picture your kid had made of some of the superheroes. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. bag, yeah. Um, have you sort of, how, what have you done anything like, to sort of cultivate that? Have you seen that with your kids? In, yes, um... My my son definitely. My yeah, son yeah. is six right now, right, right. and he's. I mean, he's all about it. He will, um, you know, and and I support it, but never like, mm-hmm. hey, you should do this. Um, he loves to draw. He loves to make his own books. Sure. He makes his own comics. His own his own characters, and he like asked me to staple them together for him. Yeah, yeah. Like that. You know, and our our our, our three year old daughter is really getting into that now too, and and her drawings are being more recognizable, like where the head yeah, is. Yeah. And, um, but you know, we just. Meg and I very much, you know, just try to support that. The mm-hmm. fact that they, awesome. it's what they like to do when they're bored, they pull out paper and they just start creating these stories. And, and he is, um, my son, especially he'll start making these books and he'll write all the text and then he'll draw the, the pictures to go along with it and color yeah. them in. And then he'll ask us to staple them. And sometimes, you know, we'll, he'll want to read them to, to, uh, you know, the, the, the family and, and, mm. um, it's, amazing to see and yeah we just support as, as much as we can and there's i think no better investment for us than a, buying a ream of paper that, that you know, five dollars <laughs> for the ream of paper gets us a lot of mileage um mm. and i'm glad to see it because you know whether that's something that you know any of them pursue in their later mm. lives just as an outlet they are using their imaginations they're creating they're they're finding ways to express themselves in, in art and i'm always a fan of that and you know it's funny i work in uh work in high school and you'd think that in today, in like the sort of modern uh, world we live in with the cell phones and computers and mm-hmm. kids just being off in their own world, AirPods in their ears, can't listen to a damn word you're saying. You'd think that a lot of like the joy that comes from like the visceral act of like creating doesn't exist. But it's weird if you, I swear to God, we do like cards at our school for like mm-hmm. veterans and community service stuff. And when you give the kids like a stack of construction paper and markers, even at like... 17, 18, 16, 17, like when they're too cool for it. Yeah. They're still like they're really still engaged. There's something visceral and very like primal about just loving the art of making something. Creating. Yeah. There's, there's something about creating. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I, I tell people, you know, when people say like, oh, you know, you did this kid's book. Are you going to, are you going to do anything else? And I always say, yeah, as long as mm. there's stories in my, swimming around in my head, mm. whether it's, you know, the, the, uh, the little lamp here, whether it's, you know, um, you know, funny, goofy, you know, quirky holiday mm. stories with, with Andrew Zielinski or, or Lacey and Lily, you know, with again with mm. Andrew Zelinsky, um, which for those who don't know is a very talented local artist. He's the best. I always have to give Andrew Shout his props because he's, he's great. You know, I mean, um, you know, Lacey and Lily. If I can go back to Lacey and Lily sure. for a quick second, yeah, yeah. which is our, our uh, one of our comic projects and, and soon to be graphic novel. Um, I mean, that was something that like talk about like the joy of creativity mm. and collaboration. I love sitting down and creating something, but there's some joy mm. whether it's collaborating with with ada on the illustrations for the little yeah. lamp or sitting down with andrew and i think back to like you know him saying i really want to do a superhero book for kids yeah and we started talking and he he had had the name he said i just got the name lacy lily it should be about a girl and her dog see what you can come up yeah. with and we'll work on it <laughs> so you know so we started you know so the collaboration and the pitching of ideas and when we came up with what what a, a, a concept that we're, i'm very proud of i know andrew's very proud of which is this Know, middle school girl who becomes a superhero with her dog and it's like you know when the world needs saving who do you call you call a middle school girl to get the job done and and you know there's there's a part you know uh, you know it sounds really funny but there is something so tried and true and pure about that age mm-hmm. um and that uh, i think that 
that time in our, our lives that you're like, yeah, you know what? If, if, if I wanted to get the job done, like, I'm like, yeah, I would call a middle school girl and her dog to get the job done. Cause she's not going to second guess like we adults would, you know, what's going on. So, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, I'm just, uh, pleased as punch to have the ability and opportunity to continue creating with a myriad of wonderful people, whether it's Andrew, whether it's Ada, um, whether it's it's any other collaborations that come down the road with you know and any of the, the, the future projects which I, I, I don't want to talk about at the, at the moment there is something inherently joyful about taking something in your brain and seeing it come to life yeah. in any format whether it's a children's picture book a comic book uh, even a, a podcast yeah. or a news story I mean that's why I think you have podcasters why you have yeah. journalists why you have writers why you have artists why you have musicians i mean there are things everybody has something that's floating around in their head that brings them joy that's, that's a, in some form a story to tell and to be able to make that a reality i think it brings us all not just joy but but a, a longevity yeah. um something not only that we leave behind but i feel like it it adds to our own longevity i think when you can find those creative outlets i feel like it probably expands uh extends our lifespans too because you end up going through life without the regret that you would feel if you hadn't gone and created x y and z mm. david that was lovely <laughs> oh well, shucks. thanks <laughs> uh david the book is the little lamp it is on uh, amazon barnes and noble hardcover uh, hardcover paperback ebook formats I wish you continued success going forward. I love working with you. I'm always glad to have you back on the show. Always a joy to come back. And if I go to work tomorrow and the new college website is garbage, I'm going to call you <laughs> immediately <laughs> and uh, complain, and I will see you at the next work function as well. You always it, a pleasure, Dave. Awesome. Uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Back to the show in just a moment. I think you're right about Um, that. Before we get into history lessons, but uh, because I was going to talk about it afterwards, but I guess it ties in. A couple (laughs) things we talked about. uh, This week is going to be the opening of the Captain Marvel movie, starring Brie Larson, the Mm. next big Marvel movie, and the last one before Avengers Endgame final Avengers movie, right? Uh, I don't believe them. No, well, I mean in in order of releasing it, like the last right, one. Right, but I'm saying yeah, like, when yeah, they yeah. say Endgame's like Final Avengers, I don't believe you. I think you. We talked a little bit about this on the show. I think if you're a guy like Chris Evans, it's probably. Oh yeah, for, I yeah. mean for those guys, for some of those, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but have you seen all the controversy around Captain Marvel about it getting killed on Rotten Tomatoes because Brie Larson doesn't seen, like white men? I have seen the. Um, <laughs> The heavy white boys of the internet, um, the sad, the sad white crybabies of the internet. Um, I have seen a lot of stuff from them out there. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope this movie makes a billion dollars. Oh, and it's probably going to. They said the same thing about, and it's funny because like I, you see him because my one of 
one of my biggest uh, probably failings as a human being is I can't look away and I immerse myself in this garbage and these people way too much <laughs> yeah. for my own entertainment. And so, like, a lot of the narrative now is like, oh, well, when it was Wonder Woman, it was done right and it wasn't shoved down our throat. These same idiots were furious about Wonder Woman. Like, it wasn't even that good. I don't know what he was talking about. And they're like, oh, Black Panther's not even that good. Like, oh, yeah. Everybody can see what you idiots are upset about. Everybody can see you. We all know. You're lying. Uh, You're lying. Yeah, I mean, I I do think, um, I think it's just a sign of the times more than anything else, right? Like, I, I thought it was interesting that, that Rotten Tomatoes, like, shut down the ability for people to, like, put in their pre-movie review release score on it. Like, right. it's terrible. Like, well, how do you know? You didn't see it, they don't right? Know. Like, yeah. And they're not, they're not going to. And yeah. even if they watch it, they're not going to watch it in good faith. No. It'll be true. like, you know, certain people watching, like, you know, things in programming they like, looking for reasons to dislike what they're watching. There's nothing they could do to make you like it. Anything they changed, you would have a problem with that, too. I am enjoying, I will say, the Brie Larson, Sam, Samuel L. Jackson, like, combination press tour junket that they've been going around I on. haven't seen much of that, but I also <laughs> don't consume any and all Brie Larson content the second it hits the internet, like you do. She's great. Uh, <laughs> I know you're a big Brie Larson fan. Uh, let's get to this week's history lessons, uh, and we'll move right Save me. <laughs> Save me, Phil. Uh, and again, I, I highlighted a few things, but these were sort of, uh, they're fine. A lot of political, but old political stuff. On this day, 1789, uh-huh. uh, the first U.S. Congress session met uh, and declared the Constitution was in effect. Uh, it was held in New York City. Uh, however, of the 22 senators and 59 representatives called to represent the 11 states, only nine senators and 13 representatives showed up. Uh, to begin negotiations. Well, tough back then when you got to walk through the woods. <laughs> yeah, to get to, <laughs> I mean, t- much true. tougher time to get around. Um, the only I don't really want to get too far into this. I suppose it's all kind of procedural. I did see that. Uh, I mean, not, we can. This will get into another conversation. I sure. I did see uh, Rand Paul said that he's not going to. Uh, he's going to vote no on the national emergency um, for which is unbelievable. I mean, even a broken clock um, is <laughs> yeah. right twice a day. Uh, Rand Paul, one of the Highest level but lowest key villains that we have in our yeah. Congress. Um, um, interesting, though, that already this far out, they say, these people are saying it. it makes you... Well, it's coming up. Yeah. I mean, the vote's coming, you know, so, but it looks like they're going to have enough people in the Senate to... Going to get the big veto. Of course it is. Uh, big veto. Don big Vito. Don Vito. Remember that guy? Don, Don Vito. Vito. <laughs> I do remember Don Vito. He was hilarious. I always liked that show. Uh, so, yeah, that's, I mean, there you go. Rand Paul, I guess, broken clock, right twice a... Twice a day. Yeah, right? sure. sure. There it is. Yeah. Had it with that guy. All right. On this day... I'm done with this guy. I'm done with this guy. On this day, 1791, uh, Vermont, the first addition to the original 13 colonies. Nice pickup. Yeah, it was admitted. It's a nice pickup. I thought this was interesting. I didn't know this because this I'm a bad history teacher. In 1777, the 13 colonies were fighting the Revolutionary War with England, but they were too busy to stop Vermont from becoming an independent state. They wanted to join, uh, but New York didn't want any more states to join. They said, nah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was 14 years later, in 1791, when New York agreed <coughs> that Vermont could finally become part of the United States, but they had to pay up to New York. How much money do you think they had to pay up? Uh, like 20 bucks? 30,000 bucks. Yeah. It's pretty small. It's pretty good pay. was made out of wood back then. <laughs> uh, it became the 14th state. Uh, a year later, Kentucky became the 15th state. Uh, so there you go. A couple interesting facts about Vermont. Uh, with a population fewer than 9,000 people, uh, Montpelier, Vermont, is the smallest state capital in the United States. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Its ratio of cows to people, uh, in ratio of cows to people, Vermont has the greatest number of dairy cows in the country. Mm. So there you go. 
It is the largest producer of maple syrup in the United States. Yep. Their largest employer is IBM, not Ben and Jerry's, which is what people... No, that makes sense. (laughs) We're pretty employed making ice cream. Until 1996, Vermont was the only state without a Walmart. So there you go. You ever been to Vermont? No. It's cool. Hmm. Vermont's cool. You would like Vermont. Uh, Burlington is a really fun city to go visit. They're right up near Plattsburgh, too, so they're right near New York. Uh... Calvin Coolidge was born there. Only U.S. president to be born on the 4th of July. Oh, sorry. He was there. Yeah, there you go. And uh, what was the last? Oh, yeah, Vermont State Capitol, one of only few to have a gold dome, much like the Gold Dome Bank. Yeah, ago. boom. So What's gold up? gold domes. Uh, all right. Uh, also on this day, 1845, I noticed when I was doing my history lessons that this week that um, this is, like, the day that all presidential inaugurations took place. So, like, every, like couple like four years on the thing that i was looking at is like presidential mm-hmm. inauguration presidential inauguration blah blah blah, sure. blah so uh i looked at james k polk who's one of my favorite under under talked about big polk guy big polk guy yeah james k polk uh made known to me as a child from a storyline on underrated television show ghostwriter ghostwriter he was also in pete and pete i say martin van buren was the one they talked about a lot in that episode of pete and pete where he gets yeah, the yeah. marshmallow stuck in his nose mm-hmm. um so, uh, James K. Polk, whose reputation was initially formed by a tax made against him during his own time, mm. um, he didn't really become the subject of major biographies until 1922. Uh, a lot of people deemed that he was the most effective president prior to the Civil War and noted that he expanded the power of his presidency, especially in its power of commander-in-chief and its oversight over the executive branch. Uh, also, his power pr- uh, he was praised for his conduct during the Mexican War. I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. Very vague statement. Uh, Harry S. Truman called Polk a great president. Uh, he said what he intended to do, and he did it, which seems like a, re- like a seems like a pretty straightforward it's positive. You like that? Uh, but he uh, he fulfilled a content uh, a continent wide vision uh, and to look at the western and south western expansion of the United States is to see the magnitude of Polk's presidential accomplishments. Uh, if you want to criticize him, he didn't seem to care too much about uh, Native Americans or any of that But then kind of again, stuff. show me a president. Yeah, it wasn't a... Show me a president yeah, that did. He didn't care much about Mexicans and Native Americans at the time, but uh, Manifest Destiny, I suppose, was the time. 1845, so there you go. There it is. On this day, 1922, first vampire film, Nosferatu, premiered, no. at, yeah, <laughs> premiered at the Berlin Zoological Garden in Germany, uh, directed by F.W. Murnau and starring mm-hmm. Max Schreck. Uh, It was an unauthorized adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, Various details were changed, including the word vampire becoming Nosferatu. I don't know. Right? Yeah, I don't know. Nobody (laughs) nobody knows. Is that a weird Balkan thing you're doing? Doing a Balkan thing? Uh, So, Bram Stoker, um, this was the only uh, movie ever produced by the Prana Film Company. Uh, The reason for it was the company had to declare bankruptcy because Bram Stoker's estate, acting for his wife, Sued for copyright infringement True. and won. Yeah. Uh, the court ordered all existing copies of Nosferatu burned, uh, except one purported print of the film that made wide distribution around the world. Uh, it actually premiered in the United States seven years after its German premiere on June 3rd, 1929. Have you ever seen Nosferatu, the movie? Uh, yes. Yeah. I've seen the climactic scenes. I've never sat down and watched the full thing, but I've watched right. numerous clips of the movie. Right, I right, get a right. general idea. Of it. Okay. I like I, the part I think I remember is the famous thing where like, the Everybody, window opens yeah. and ah. Although I, I will say two things about it. There's two things it does always make me think of. One, 
is the movie they made about it called Shadow of the Vampire, which is another kind of movie about a movie mm. uh, where Willem Dafoe plays the vampire. It's very good. Okay. Uh, and then the one episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark, where Nosferatu comes out of the movie screen yes. to chase those kids in the theater. Yes. Snick. So there you go. Uh, you're a big horror movie guy. You like you like this movie? Um, it's something not really scary. He, well, here's I mean I, I'm I am a big horror movie guy, but I don't really buy into like movies have to be scary to like them because sure. because movies don't scare me. Um, it's but it's one of those things where like it's really important. It's like going back and listening to like Buddy Holly, mm-hmm. right? It's not Buddy Holly the uh, the unimpeachable Weezer song, but Buddy Holly the actual like musician. Right, right sure. I'll go back and listen to it, and I can I can appreciate it, and you know there's some stuff that I really like about it, and I'll enjoy it, and I understand why it was so important and influential, but it's also so old yes. that it's tough to really <laughs> take it as anything other than uh, a curiosity. You know what I mean? That's fair. Uh, I think the imagery of it is very interesting. That I, the iconic scene of that claw creeping claw, around, and yeah. for people who don't, maybe because I think there's probably more people who know the imagery than know the name. Yeah, like, there's true. probably people listening who's like, "What the hell is Nosferatu? Nosferatu. What the hell are they talking about? Nosferatu is that old black and white with uh, the bald the vampire ears. with like he's got the big ears and the long like claws." And the sort of sunken in eyes and the rat teeth and everything and go here's a here's a deep dive for you folks. Go on YouTube and type in the Shadow of the Vampire Dracula uh, Nosferatu like appears. It's like the first scene where Defoe shows up dressed as the vampire and they're filming it. Yeah. It's set, it's really, really it's a good example of the makeup and stuff they use. It's really creepy, and yeah. that always resonated but with like me. But, like, I mean, and it's, like, a lot of, you know, a lot of early stuff like that. Like, you know, from, be it from Nosferatu to, like, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, or even, like, the early Dracula, Frankenstein, the movies like that. Yeah. They're, they're, they're definitely something interesting to watch and get into to, like, understand why they're influential and think about the time when they came out. But, um... This he, is not a rewatchable movie. No, probably not. Because I've tried... dope movie to put on in the background with no sound at a Halloween party, but I do think that there are movies from this era. Maybe not silent movie era. I don't love a silent movie all the time. I'd have to really be in the zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there are movies from the like. If you go watch Bride of Frankenstein today, like the 1925 Bride of Frankenstein, that's very watchable for yeah. as a, even as a modern movie. It's funny. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of well done. It's mm. like a, a lot of these movies are interesting watches again they're not scary because it's a different right. time i right. guess this movie is eerie though when i was a kid the iconography of this movie was scary well and, Just, and i yeah, think yeah. That, that's what it is and i think for people yeah. back then too you know it's important to remember like you talk about some shit like 1925 nobody had ever mm. visualized something like this in like real life yeah. you know what i mean so like king kong is another one i think of in the same way like no one had ever seen almost a giant, everything yeah. like that you know what i mean like even like when you go back to even something like the exorcist you know now you'll see people's, you know, because of the exorcist, you'll see, like, the head spinning and, you know, the, the melting demon face in <laughs> yeah. everything. You see it everywhere, yeah. you know what I mean? But for the for when it's the first time for people, people are blown away. Uh, all right, so let's move on to some... I only have a few other things this week. Again, it's a kind of a streamlined episode. Do you want to talk about Conan at all? No, I don't really care to talk about it. I mean... I mean what, do you, what do you want? Um, I don't care. I didn't... Meh. I feel like... Um, get ready for more. Get ready for more. There'll be a lot more hearings coming. There's a lot more hearings coming. Wait, what? So it's Sunday right now. We're taping this show. Yeah. Wait until read the news tomorrow about noon. Watch. There'll be a lot more hearings coming. Yeah. We won't talk about CPAC either. I suppose we'll leave that. Oh, these, I mean these people. 
it's, it's crazy. You know, these people had to make a choice whether they were going to go down with the ship or not, and it uh, looks like their choice is made, so I don't know. We'll see. Uh, a couple other stories that are not political-based, so let's, let's knock a few of those out. Uh, there's a book that's out this week. I read about this on NPR, so if you're looking for the book review, it's called Mama's Last Hug, and it makes a case that humans are not alone in experiencing emotions, that, like, rats and animals... 100%. Like, yeah, it seems like... 10 billion percent. Kinda, that's what I said when I read it. I was like, kind of duh. Yeah, duh. Right? <laughs> duh. I mean, it would... I, I guess the you point... You ever met dogs? <laughs> I guess the point they're trying to make is... You like, know anything about gorillas? Well... <laughs> chimpanzees, elephants... The idea is that, like, monkeys (laughs) monkeys apparently understand, like, fairness. Like, broader emotions than, like, we give them credit for. Who doesn't know that? Well, because I think the... I guess the point that was interesting is I sometimes think to myself, like, I give Charlie the cat human emotions, even though he doesn't think the same there's way There's definitely human a lot thinks. of... Do you know uh, what I mean? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of that anthro, anthropomorphization, whatever it is, of, right. like, projecting, like, human yeah. values and ideas and thought processes onto animals. There's yeah. definitely some of that. Yeah. And but, I'm not saying that this validates that, because it doesn't, but I guess right. I never really... I always conflated those two concepts, right? Like, of yeah. course Charlie doesn't care about me, like, as a big well, cat. But, but you watch he's... stuff, like, you'll watch... Um, you know, and and because of the, you know, some of the wonderful stuff about the world we live in now, we've got things like YouTube where we can watch like all these different videos, these different situations and stuff from all around the world. And you'll look at stuff like the way the elephant tribes react yeah. when an elephant dies. Yeah. They true. very visibly mourn mm-hmm. and they have a period of mourning and they have their whole grief ritual. Yeah. And, you you know, you can't look at that and not say that, that you know, these animals don't understand and feel grief. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the same thing for a lot of the you know, more higher-thinking animals, but I think all the way, you know, all the way down as far as stuff like, you know, I, I mean, dogs are obviously uh, yeah, both a good and bad example because dogs are so closely tied to humans. Yeah, but, yeah, like, but... I mean, yeah, you watch this happen with animals, and I think it's uncomfortable for a lot of people to think of because of, you know, it, it was always easier for people to think of animals like, either ah, just animals, whatever, screw them, they don't think of anything, but, like, they definitely do. Mm-hmm. You know, they definitely do. Uh, all right, let's... Uh... Got two more stories here for you. Uh, one, there's a story going around about this guy who wears the same thing every day. He's called it's called uniform dressing. Have you heard about this? It's basically yeah, yeah. Homer Simpson, right? Right. What are your thoughts? As I get older, I kind of don't hate it. Right. <laughs> kind of don't hate the idea yeah. of having like a, just a daily uniform, mm-hmm. especially if it's like for work, right? Like I guess I sort of do now. It's like they're different shirts, <laughs> but like. What do you think? Like wearing the same exact outfit all the time, having it be like your brand, I suppose? No. Is that the idea? Like not you into always it. not into it? No, I mean, I get it. I like especially as somebody who like I wore a uniform to high school. I wore a uniform from kindergarten through twelfth grade. Mm. Or first grade yeah. through twelfth grade, you wear whatever you want in kindergarten. But like, you know, I wore a uniform for a long time and I get it, and you know, it's it's all fine and good, mm. and I understand the thought process. And for a lot of people, um, if you don't like to think about clothes, if you're not interested in clothes or fashion or like piecing together an outfit or different things like that, then I can see where it takes a lot of that onus off your plate and you don't want to think about it. But I think for the people who do enjoy it and the people who do think about it, you know, you think about like great friends of the pod, like a good friend of the pod, Eric Tuttle, right? Yeah. He really enjoys yeah, going and looking for yeah. pieces and expressing himself through That's his true. clothes and, you know, and, and reading about it and following it and everything like that. So... It's not for everybody, but I can see where for some people it would be a very appealing option. Yeah. Uh, so apparently they, they made like the Steve Jobs turtleneck, like Zuckerberg in the gray shirts and kind of comparisons. Like a lot yeah, of yeah. these, like this seems to be a thing that happens. Even that uh, 
the one who's the new scandal one coming up, the Theranos girl. I can't think Elizabeth Holmes. She's another one who wore like the turtleneck in the same outfit all the time everywhere. Yeah, but she was go. she was just biting Steve Jobs, wasn't she? Yes, she wasn't was, that her whole thing? Yeah, she was a Jobs freak. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, and the last one. I heard a good story this week. Uh, the world's number one bridge player. This is from the Guardian. Uh, world's number one bridge player was suspended for drug use after failing a drug test. That's right, bridge the card game. If you had to guess, Kev, without without seeing the article, what drug did Norway's Gear Haljimo uh, test positive for? Adderall. Or amphetamines. Testosterone. T- what? That's, what I, that's like when you need to get your testosterone. That's just a separate thing. That's got nothing to do with his bridge. That's just like, I'm just trying to get, I'm trying to get an edge. You know what I mean? I'm trying to get some get some test going. Um, Wild. It blows my mind that Bridge even tests for that. Uh, you would think that. I wonder like, if you go to a magic I figure something like tournament. I figure something <laughs> like like stimulants or like Adderall, where it gives you like extra focus and extra yeah. energy and extra concentration and that. Yeah, that I can see. But like, I mean, if you want to just get like, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, if you want to take a whole bunch of shots of Decadurabal and like show up to the Magic the Gathering tournament like coked out of your gourd, okay, who cares? Uh, before I get into our last segment this week, any uh, any recommendations? Anything you saw, you've seen this week, TV, movies, sports, mm. news, anything you've seen for our listeners out there? I feel like there definitely uh, have been, but I, I'm always the type, when I get put on the spot, it leaves my mind, and we'll get done taping, and I'll remember a bunch of stuff. So to- talk about yours, because you have one, and I'll see two. if mine comes back to me. Uh, one was given to me. It was a new Netflix uh, short series, 22-minute sort of docu-series called The Losers, which is about famed losers in different sports or people who were who fell from grace or had a bad losing experience across different sports. Uh, made new because Justin Parkinson threw that one at me. This was like forced me to watch it in typical mm-hmm. Parkinson fashion. It was very good. It was like an eight-episode series. It's pretty short. I enjoyed that. Uh, and then the other one... Um, oh, I started watching a YouTube video series called Beef History, which I've been making you watch, which is just tracing the, the beef history of, or the rivalries of athletes or sports teams across various platforms. And I, not, even, not even just rivalries, though. Like, problems that right. people have with each yeah, other. Yeah, real yeah. problems. You can say beef. Everybody knows what beef is. Yeah, you yeah, got beef with somebody? I think that's, beef. yeah. Yeah, but, well, beef history isn't, you know, it could be a... a the history of, like, factory farming. We yeah, do watch yeah. a lot of food-based programming, too. We could watch two that's programs true. There's, a lot, there's a lot of food-based programming that comes up. Uh, all right, and if that's it, I'm going to go to our last segment of the week. Ooh. Um, our Twitter segment of the week. I happened to see a Twitter tre- uh, trend going around this week, and it made me laugh. People have been posting their celebrity crushes from childhood, their top three celebrity crushes from childhood. Now, because I've sprung this on you, Kev, I will give you a couple, I'll give you a couple minutes to think about it. But I came up with three and then one alternate. Uh, and it just so happened that they came out this way as one from TV, one from a movie, and one from music. I didn't mean for it to uh-huh. be that way, but it, it just so happened. Yeah, yeah. So, celebrity crushes, uh, my top three. Number one, uh, Kimberly, the Pink Ranger, the first Power Rangers Pink Ranger. Damn. An important one for my childhood. Damn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although, the other television one was my alternate mention, which was Clarissa from Clarissa Explains It All. Young Melissa mm-hmm. Joan Hart. That was a good one for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Number two, Nev Campbell from the Scream era. You always horror. did like Love. Nev Campbell. That I never got one. it. I, I, I mean, I don't it. have a huge feeling for her now, but back in that day, that Scream era, that was yeah. number one. I think what happened was she looked like vaguely like one of my girlfriends from when I was younger. Uh-huh. Like a little bit. And I was like, oh, yeah. 
Uh, and then uh, the most recent one, I suppose, is St. Vincent, current musician. Oh, you love, you do love yourself St. Vincent. Vincent. I guess if you want a more childhood musician, I guess Mandy Moore. I always had a crush on I always loved Mandy, Mandy Moore. Moore. Mandy Moore always seemed really sweet. Yeah. She was so pretty. Then I found out she was like five foot ten, which is great for me. <laughs> love yeah, that. Yeah. Love it. I love, love to see uh, it. So those are some of my picks that I didn't feel like tweeting, but I figured we'd talk about it. That makes sense. You don't want to tweet it. You know, who, no. who needs to draw that kind of attention to oneself? You know what I mean? <laughs> what about you? Anyways, <sighs> celebrity crushes from when you were young? I know this is another one of those scenarios where, like, on the spot, I can't think of any, but I know there's like some colossal ones that just aren't registering in my brain mm-hmm. at this moment. I'll say you were always that a, I'll think of twenty you, minutes uh, from now. Were you Sarah Michelle Gellar, Mark? My brother. Your brother. That's my right. brother yeah. was my brother at, at like the age of ten, eleven, whatever, would have laid down his life <laughs> for Sarah Michelle Gellar. <laughs> there's no question. He that was his girl. I mean, that's, that's, I like that one, too, though. Like she's a, you know, There was definitely that going on. How about Jennifer Lopez from Selena era? That was a popular thing. I was into that. No, that wasn't, that wasn't no, me. That was big. That was big. You didn't get that rocker. wasn't for me. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's probably a big part of it. Uh, I'm trying to think of what... Anyway, that's probably about it. That's all I can really think of, I suppose. There's definitely people from, like, shows... Um, oh, the, Kelly Bundy. Christina Applegate from Married with Children. Kelly, was, Bundy was, uh, Kelly Bundy was one of them that I figured out like a little bit later. <laughs> Kelly Bundy, like once it wasn't because there were ones when I was super young where I had crushes. They were a little bit more like innocent, and then there were ones like you get into like middle school, and there's like a lot of people where you look at him like, oh, okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. You know what I mean? And of course, my forever crush, uh, former Uticast uh, co-host Aaron Higgins. Shout out to Higgins. Ooh. She's very sad that Bryce Harper joined the Phillies. She made her made, made her gag. Now the Mets are going to lose even worse than normal. And the Mets are going to lose anyway. All right, All right uh, that's it. Uh, thanks for joining us this week. Uh, Heather will be back. She's feeling better. I still haven't heard from her. I hope she's all right. Uh, she's fine. Yeah. Uh, follow us on uh, on Facebook, SoundCloud, Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, SoundCloud. We're taking over the web. Sign our humanoids keep it tight uh woodstock lives anything exciting for you kev before we head out anything uh what today yeah. no it's sunday man it's a day of rest how's that Lacroix treating you uh, it's delicious uh, sometimes you know what there's so many flavors in these seltzers now that you forget about some of the basics this is a lemon seltzer it's good. nice it's nice to have all right uh, i'm gonna watch last night's SNL. i heard it was good let's go relax all right uh, okay okay peace goodbye